When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody and welcome to We Say Things episode six, sponsored by Noble Chairs. Dun dun dun. Actually, I, I have a graphic on here, Cinderin, that says proudly sponsored by proudly. Noble Chairs. Proudly. I didn't ask them if that's okay. <laughs> I just thought it would sound better to have that. I don't know. But you like the chair, so you're proud. Yes, you can. This is for video people, audio people. You've seen chairs before, but uh, you can see the thing here. I have it mirrored, the so it's thing. backwards. <laughs> yes, the pillow says Noble Chairs. Thank you, Noble Chairs, for sending us chairs. Really appreciate it. Uh, oh, you have it mirrored so you can actually read it. I should maybe do that in the future. But uh, I mean, I'm not yeah. doing that on purpose. I'm just By like, the way... Wait, did I... No, I put it on right. So, again, Your this is for... on wrong. What? How did I put it on wrong? I mean, I don't know. Mine is on normal. Mine is on normal. It's just my camera is not mirrored, so you can't read it. It's backwards. Okay, I don't know. If or I it is mirrored. That's fine, whatever. Anyway, this is unimportant. And the fact that the people watching on us in video are live right now, you, I am so sorry. In event. This will be easily the longest episode of all time. Uh, there's just so much stuff that we need to talk about. So we might as well just get started. But thank you again to Noble Chairs for being our first sponsor. Uh, yeah, let's get started. So, as always... Uh, God, this is gonna be this is gonna hurt me so much, Cinderin, this episode. Why? Because we got uh, four five star ratings this week? We we did. Uh would you like to would you like to read some of them? Yes, but first I should mention that this podcast is available on all major <laughs> podcast apps, which include Apple, Google, Spotify, and whatever else you can come up with. Yeah, go. and Stitcher now. So if, if there's any oh, podcast okay. audio like there's so many of these random ass programs and people just tweet me. Just tweet me. If it's not on your thing, just tweet me and I'll if it doesn't cost anything, I'll do it. Okay, if it costs like five I'm not doing it for five dollars. Not can worth it. Can you please put your podcast on iCast with five users? We, it's not on there either. Is there? I, don't, I mean, I don't. Honestly, I know nothing about these things. I don't know how big they are. I don't know how popular they are. It's so you're, you're supposed that, like, to pretend that you you listen to podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, I just don't listen to them on podcast apps. I listen to all of them on the actual radio. <laughs> all right, please read that some work? reviews for us. <laughs> it convinced me. Okay. All right, you do the first two. All right, I'm going to have trouble. Let's see. So this is from James Janko2. Uh, Five-star rating, the review where a good rating is given. Thank you. Uh, am consistently satisfied with the podcast. Cinderin's actual analysis mixed with Suns fans' half analysis and cheeky banter make for a great listen. Keep it up. But the first time I read this, I was a little insulted, and then I realized, eh. I, guess I would have given true. you a third analysis. <laughs> I think you should be happy. That's pretty good All right, score. Second five-star review by J3RNN. His title is called Super, and his text is Super Duper No Party Pooper. I don't know what that means. That's was this great. guy it's like good. really high when it. he wrote that? It has super in it, so it's good. Okay, thank you for that review. Okay, I'll, we got another two. Man, we got so many good reviews this week. That's amazing. The other one is called "This is a great podcast," which you could say the title kind of could have just been there alone, and that's it. 
But yes. we need a little bit more in-depth on this, so we get best artifact and auto chess podcast out there. <laughs> also the only one, but that's beside the point. Uh, and the last one, number one horse, also gave five stars by Disc. Oh, I should say it was by Ryan137, the previous one. By Disc. Uh, this podcast is my go-to podcast for up-to-the-minute artifact and horse-related news and discussions. Actually, mm. we could do a segment where we look into like what's going on in the world of Equestrian. That's true. I, that did give me some ideas just now. Like We should have like a fact of the week about horses, and it's going to be like the most mundane thing. Horses <laughs> have feet. For example, I think if there's anything this podcast needs, it's more filler. We our episodes are not nearly reaching the length we want. That's true. That's true. We All right, so that okay. ends the intro. Uh, I have a rant. So the only reason I'm doing this rant, well, I shouldn't say the only reason, but one big reason I'm doing it this week is because we have so much drama. So I just want to get it started with a little bit more. Let's rehash a little drama, Cinder. All right. I'm. I'm so okay. I want to rant about GES fucking C. What a worthless goddamn couple of tournaments they had last year. The reason, well, if you guys don't know, of course, these are tournament, two tournaments that were held in SEA, I think somewhere in SEA. Uh, yes. They have, this is over a year later, zero people, to my knowledge, have been paid. That includes teams, that includes talent, that includes everybody, right? And the reason this pisses me off more than it would a normal person is because Captain's Draft was at the shittiest time slot of the year. In order to pay the teams on time, I paid $50,000 out of my own pocket. Okay? Which I know people think I'm rich. I don't know why. That's not really the case. I did that to be able to pay the teams on time. And I lost a shit ton of money on the tournament in order to make sure that I followed the rules. Now, you have a tur two tournaments during springtime, mind you, which is the best, other than maybe like right before Christmas, is probably the best time of the year to have a tournament in terms of revenue and whatnot. Two of them, nobody has been paid. And this has been brought up time and time again. And as far as we know, uh, actually, let me just read a Cyborg Matt quote right here. Uh, so Team Secret published a full letter to the community and Valve, and this is October of 2018, and led the charge on discussions with Valve. The whole situation is stuck with lawyers right now, so there isn't much else the teams can do at this point in time. I'm actively monitoring any SEA esports conferences that pop up to make sure Oscar Feng is not making any appearances. I will chase this motherfucker across the globe to make sure he never steps into esports again. I found that in a thread with four upvotes. What the fuck? How does a thread only have four upvotes about this? That is insane to me. And of course, I made sure that Cybermat was okay that I said this on the podcast and he yeah, don't want to have the word motherfucker associated with your name you gotta be careful about that one <laughs> that's true uh but anyway sponsored to, by noble chairs by the way yeah go on to, to wrap this up uh well i should also mention that team secret i think they're only owed like a like five thousand dollars so cyber matt said they don't really care about the money at all it's just the principle and the fact that other people that need the more money more aren't getting paid which i totally understand so yeah, I mean that's that's WTF. one thing, right? The one thing is the teams that are owed. The other thing is this scumbag, what he got away with. Like, how much did he pocket, right? It's like right. half you want the teams to get their money and half you want him to lose it because it's just it's a scam. Like, let's call it what it is, right? That's yeah. a fucking scam. Um, so hopefully all of this uh lawyer work is successful and he he gets what's coming. Like this like okay, so let's say, for example, let's say he did the first event, okay? 
and he went into it with different expectations than the outcome, maybe similar to you, right? Like he ended up, oh man, this was more expensive than I thought. I'm actually in the minus shit. And then he can't afford it and he's in trouble. And then, okay, he, he, he pulls a, let's, let's just say a scam. Okay. He pulls a scam on the first one. Maybe you never know. Maybe he had good intentions, but then he got fucking cornered on money and it becomes a problem. That's one thing. But if you then run a second tournament, okay, That's a, yeah. there, I have nothing. I have I have no empathy left at that point. Like, you know, it's one thing if you make a mistake, but you're just you're repeating it because you got away with it. No way. Like, absolutely no fucking way. I'm surprised he got to run the second one. Like, I don't know. I don't know how much time was in between the two, and if they were scheduled during the same. They, they were scheduled during the same season, right? Yeah, they weren't but, that far apart, and I know. Okay. Well, then it makes sense, I guess. Based on the DPC contracts, you have to pay out within three months, I think. Mm -hmm. uh so that could have so been they the were reason. within three months of each other yes i don't i'm almost exactly. i'm almost positive they were yeah that that would definitely okay. make sense one was like spring one was like early summer or something like that i think uh -huh. but yeah the yeah jesus just horrible and it makes me very angry and that is the end of the rant of the week thank you for joining us until next time suns fan and cinder and signing out now next let's get into okay. so who's <laughs> doing was... this now if we just signed out who's talking now uh my alter ego okay fun san i'm i'm still here but it's fine go on cinder lose is your name okay <laughs> <laughs> so i we had written this outline with so much drama uh that i <laughs> that i actually forgot like major news i added this literally last night cinder and uh -huh. valve announced auto chess <laughs> that's a big deal i mean yeah let, let's talk about that a little bit. They didn't really name Underlords per se, but they announced that uh, they are making their auto chest. Now, before you get started, I I, I don't even want to read it anymore, but the, the thing they came out with is like the most PR bullshit post. It's like, please don't be mad that we're taking their idea and making it. They're okay with it because I'm sure they got a lot of money, uh, but I'm sure we're both happy that this is actually happening, right? Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm not nearly as much into auto chess as you are, but I had some fun with it. I don't. I'm not mad at it. So, I'm also not overly excited. I'll be honest. Like, it's it's fine. But what if they got rid of the items the way the items work right I mean, now? We'll we'll see if they make the game a lot better. I will be more interested. I just I personally find auto chess's concept really fun and engaging, but I find the balancing and some of the design decisions they made absolutely fucking horrible. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the reason I'm not playing it as much. I guess is that I just I don't know. I don't feel like the game is fair to the player. That's my biggest problem with it. Yeah. Uh, but we've talked about that in the previous episode, so we, we've got other stuff to talk about. So yes, so that's the end of that huge news that Valve's working <laughs> on another game. Usually uh, it'll take more time. What I quickly just want to say is this opens up more speculation about since they did not announce when they announced that they are making Autogist, they didn't put the Dota Underlord's name on it. That could mean one of two things. Either that they have not been approved for uh, the patent yet, or, or the trademark, sorry. Um... Or that it's two separate games, and we can only speculate, right? Um, but if, yep, if they did have it, I feel like if they did have the trademark already, right? If they had it approved, they would put the name in there to start generating, you know, generating uh, conversations about the name. Yeah. So, so I feel like it's pretty safe to say that either the trademark isn't theirs yet, or it's a different game. Yeah. And no, I don't know what I you agree. think. I'm, I'm a bit unsure, actually. But no, I don't think i can add much to it. i think a lot of our speculation from last week's episode if you haven't heard it and then go back and listen because we talk a lot about uh what 
Dota Honor Alerts could be. We talked about VR. We talked about Auto Chess, which still could be technically. Um, or it could be something. It could be Half-Life 3 just in code. They just renamed it Dota oh. Underlords. Definitely a possibility. Okay, let's get to the Very drama smart. syndrome. We have uh, two okay. major stories, I want to say. Yeah, two pretty big stories. One bigger than the other. We'll start with the big one. Uh, okay. Seb from yes. OG got in a little bit of trouble. Would you like to tell the story of what happened? Yeah. So I have kind of, on my own stream, I talked about this kind of in length. So I'm 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 warmed up, okay? Um, okay. Basically, basically what happened was that Seb was playing a pub game, as we all do. Someone was being a cunt, as happens all the time. Um, and basically, the guy who Seb was playing with um, kind of set him up, okay? So what happened was this guy um, started just doing bad things in the game, okay? Like bad communication, uh, stealing the Aegis or whatnot, or, or taking it away, and... Um, or no, it was the other way around. Sorry, let me try again. So he... he he basically, I don't want to say baited, but he he triggered Seb in a way that I don't blame Seb for getting upset, okay? Like, if you go through the chat logs of the game and what he did and what he said, it's like, you know, the classic things where, for example, somebody in your team makes a mistake in the game and you just start spamming well played, you know, that kind of thing, where you're just like, you're tilting your teammates. So he did that to Seb. Seb then got fucking angry at one point and lashed out at him. And then the guy who let's say baited Seb into this, made a Reddit post presenting Seb as a racist because of things Seb said, and of course cutting out all of the parts of the chat log where he was doing something bad, or in the replay, where he uh, did something to annoy Seb. Your mic so, just lowered, by the way. Oh, oh shit. Let me just check. Take your time. Give me a second. Uh, uh, da, 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 da. Let me just make sure. You're back to normal now. Thank you. Okay. Zoom is doing something. As long as it's fine now, then we're sure. Um, Go ahead. No, it is. I guarantee. It. Okay. So basically, what the what the story boiled down to is that Seb made some comments that he was upset with that guy and another guy in the game, and they were both Russian. And then Seb, uh, kind of, what's what's the saying for this in in English? I guess he generalized all Russians in a in two comments or something. We don't have to say the specifics of what he said, uh, mm -hmm. but basically, it could be perceived as xenophobic toward Russians. And, um, yeah, he was just angry and targeted at them, but the words he chose were covering the entire nation. He talked about Russia, not about them. And my two cents on the situation is if someone is being an asshole in the game and they get something back, they got what, what, what was coming, you know? Like, you can't just expect to, to be a dick in the game and not get treated like one. So I personally have no problem with Seb getting angry at the guy and getting back at him, but his choice of words was really poor and got him into trouble. And I have no problem that that started a discussion and then Seb got into trouble because the statements he made were, frankly, xenophobic, okay? Like, that's... If you just read what it says, that's what it is. Now, knowing how Dota usually works and the context of the situation, you could say, okay, you know, maybe take it with a grain of salt. He probably didn't really mean it and he isn't really xenophobic. He's even played with Russians before in previous teams and players from the CIS region. His nickname was actually started. The Seb thing, he wrote it with Cyrillic letters originally because... I, like everything I know about Seb, this like profile doesn't match. Okay, not, not that that's a guarantee that I'm right, right? Um, but it's a context thing. And then what happened next, if I can continue? Um, yes, yes, is that Solo, the captain of Virtus Pro, which is a, a Russian team and a Russian org, uh, made the statement that they will not, he will not be participating in Epicenter, which is a major on Russian soil, until Valve makes a statement about this issue. 
uh, because he feels like there's a double standard with the whole, uh, if you think back, there was the cuckoo and skem drama with the whole incident with the Chinese major, the, the Chongqing major that they didn't get to participate in. And he felt like, you know what, if, if they can pull that shit in China, but not in Russia, he wants fairness. He wants fair and a level playing ground and he wants rules, um, basically. And I think his taking a stand like that against uh, double standards, I'm a big fan of. I think double standards suck. Uh, but at the same time, you also need to remember the context of things, which is, you know, you can't necessarily make universal global rules for everything if it is something that involves local government. Uh, part of the problem with the whole Chinese situation was that the Chinese uh, municipality or whatever it was where the tournament was held um, did not want to give the person permission to enter. And that is, you know, maybe the Russian, uh, maybe Moscow or wherever Epicenter is this time has a different opinion on this and would let step in. And then the question is his own safety, right? Uh, which is definitely a big concern about stuff like that. So uh, it's pretty, it's a complicated issue, but I think what Solo is getting at is really good that we need some sort of, you know, guidelines for what is expected of pro players because right now it's super vague. Mm-hmm. Like, how far can you go in pubs? We've had an issue re- previously where Mind Control also made a really bad statement and he afterwards apologized and got fined by his org. Is that good enough? Uh, or should Valve intervene at some point? And I think that's the next point you have on here. Um, so I think you take over a little bit. I talked a lot now. Well, obviously, like you said, Solo had a response that he wants to hear from Valve and he won't go to the major as a result unless he hears something. And then, of mm-hmm. course, we got some, I mean, as drama comes in, more just keeps flooding in. But it's a story about Ramses being racist to Seneco, but it turned out that that was completely fake. <laughs> Came out like forged. a day after yeah. or forged, sure. Yeah. Uh, I want to read Valve's original response to the cuckoo situation from way back. Uh, this little quote here. Our view on the situation is that responsibility resides with teams to handle these types of issues professionally. When they fail to do so, we will step in. Is it, has it gotten to that point? I mean, based on the fact that it's, so so here's the thing that's interesting, right? If this was just a random ass player doing what Solo did, I don't think Valve would give a shit. The fact that it's Solo. No, no, no. Oh, okay. What was, okay. okay. Like when when Solo says, I'm not going, like if some uh, more unknown player says something that he's not going to this major, I don't think that's enough Uh to you know, break the camel's back or whatever. But mm-hmm. the fact that it's solo, kind of like this icon of a VP in the entire region, CIS, I think yeah. that they will say something at some point. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. Uh, oh, well, I'm I'm not sure if Valve will make an official statement, but what has happened is uh, the next steps or the next, um, the next bullet points we have on this topic, basically, is Seb made a second apology, which I thought was really good, personally. I think he... So uh, let, let's backtrack a bit, uh-huh. a bit sooner. So the first okay. apology was like a half apology. The thing he didn't yeah. really apologize for was being... So before I get into this, I do have a little bit of a pet peeve. People just throwing around the word racist all the time. It, yeah, racist is, is not the same thing as, as prejudiced. It, they're, like prejudice is like an overarching thing. Racist is a very specific segment of that thing, sure. But we've actually gotten to the point where i actually would not be surprised in the future that something has changed in the dictionary because it's actually it's not just in esports it's just general yep. like i walk around the race the word racist is just used for everything so it's just like i mean no, things things like this happen with language reason. right think yeah. about how people use the word literally now compared to yeah true. i don't know 10 years ago now literally it's just like almost a how to say it uh it doesn't mean literally anymore. It literally doesn't mean literally. It literally does not mean literally. That's true. Yeah. So anyway, the the first apology was kind of a half apology, and the second half, he didn't. He said something to the effect of, "I was just calling them Russian 
Uh, well, well, actually, what did he say exactly? It was... Um, he said something along the lines of the statement I made was targeted toward them, not the entirety oh, or whatever, but the yes. words that he used were for the entirety. That was the right. problem, right? Okay. He said so he was just targeting them, but the words weren't like that. So. Right. And then the second apology, as you alluded to earlier, was much more thought out, I feel like, uh, much more thorough, if nothing else, kind of to cover all his bases. And of course, now we've heard uh, that Solo, Valve, and Seb are working on a long-term solution together and have had multiple discussions <clears throat> over the past few days. So yeah. I'm sure and something will think, come about it. What I think with this is whether Valve end up making a, an official announcement or statement or not, I think Solo will participate in Epicenter just because the communication has started yes, and they have become involved. Like that's what he wanted. He wanted Valve to take a stand and I don't think he cares very much if they take the stand in public or in private, but he wants something to happen. So I, I think this is... A super fine way of dealing with it. I personally am not super hungry for Valve to make a very big official announcement about this until it's time, or if they have something that makes sense. If the pro circuit itself can regulate itself, and they just... Your mic just muted. Are you okay? Uh, did I misclick? Am I back? Yeah, you're back. Okay. Um, if they... Um... Oh, damn, now I kind of lost my trail of thought. Uh, if they if they sort it out with all the teams in the circuit privately, I I wouldn't have a problem with them not making a big public statement. It's a it's about the players, right? It's about the players' behavior. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, and so then I... the last, okay, go on. Well, no, go ahead. I was I was just gonna say this uh, this next uh, word. Oh yeah, I, that's what I, that's what I want to bring up. So. Okay. For people, like, I, I think that people don't understand this aspect of being a known person, whether it's a player, caster, whoever, it doesn't matter. Anybody that's well-known within the community. Sure, it doesn't even have to be in esports. Any walk of life, if you're known by a large amount of people, there will be a segment of those people. It's in the minority, of course, but they will target you and will try to get a rise out of you and try to make you say something stupid. Now, there's two sides to this. Obviously, those people, like the person that was egging on Seb, I mean, there's been so mm -hmm. many cases of this, not just in esports, but in, in other... Uh, like, a good example is Michael Richards, who played Kramer on Seinfeld. Do you remember that incident from way back when? Some guy was, um, like, really heckling him. I don't think I remember And he that. said something racist as a result. So the guy heckling him was a real piece of shit for doing that, but obviously what mm -hmm. Michael Richards said was beyond unacceptable. So that that's kind of like... the it's the for whatever reason these people enjoy trolling right it, it it goes a little bit too far but there's a second part to this which maybe it's just me having thick skin because <laughs> i always say and this is it's not even a joke it's true i grew up in the united states with the name shannon okay i got teased mm -hmm. a lot and that believe it or not helped me kind of acclimate and become prepared to be a personality for better or worse because now I can I can handle a lot more than the average person. At least that's what I feel. So getting a rise out of me is more difficult. Like I will literally, mm -hmm. if you look at my word cloud, if you go to one of those sites, yeah, you know how they have like these. It's just a bunch all the it's words like that you type to people. One big word across the entire right. word cloud it just says horse. Mine says GG. It's huge, and then everything else okay. is super small, and nothing's bad. <laughs> I don't say anything like I might rage like in my stream. I might say something uh, that's not going to be racist or anything like uh, that. Wait but... a second, Shannon. Wait a second. Okay? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> there are a lot of GGs. Maybe every time <laughs> your teammate misses a spell, you all chat GG. No. You know, it's like that is I not mean, the case. You're just you GG it literally. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I know. You're I mean, I know. You're, I mean, I play I... with these types, too. 
You just write GG to everything. You can watch a replay. If you can get through one of my replays, you will see that that is definitely not the case. But my point is, as a personality, you have to know that this is what they're trying to do. Right? Of course, the original post was blown up beyond whatever anybody would have expected, including Seb. Because, in part, because some of the comments that the guy made originally were just cut out. It wasn't part of the equation there, right? So people jumped yeah. to the wrong conclusions. So being a personality, mm-hmm. that's rule number one. You, you, you have to know that you just can't do that stuff. So I, I think yep. there are two sides to this for sure. And What's your word, Cloud? A bit difficult. I mean, the, the difficult thing about these kind of things is... So what I was talking about a lot when I went over it on my stream was that I said, you know, like, these people are humans, okay? I don't think... Even if you're, how to say, even if you're a role model, or like in this case, if, if you're a pro player and people look up to you or pay more attention to you than other players, you're still human. I don't think we should put the expectations on these players that they can't have their humanity, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. yes, it's your job. Yes, you are in the target. And of course, there are some things you can't say. But I personally don't have a problem with pro players getting angry because I... I feel like I'm a pretty calm guy, okay? Like I'm very I'm pretty level-headed, I'm pretty calm, and even then people can break me. Like I have a breaking point too. Like mm-hmm. sometimes in my games somebody's being so obnoxious and so stupid that I I can lose control as well. And then afterwards I feel I feel bad. I'm like, "Fuck, man, I should have known better. I should not have given into it." But that's a human thing. Like it completely controlling and taming that entirely is extremely difficult and there's very few people that are just able to totally separate themselves from that situation and just not get into it at all i do it rarely but it does happen and what i'm getting at here is with these pro players like what standard are we holding them to do they need to be the pinnacle of good behavior or is it okay for them to get angry and flame a bit as long as they're not being racist or sexist or misogynistic or whatever or like that's that's what i want to know like where's the line can you can you get angry at people can you call them idiots or is that already gonna become a a front page reddit thread in the near future like oh this pro player got a little bit angry with me he called me a moron fine him you know like (laughs) that that's my problem right like where's the line you can you can take that question and just bring it to every society in every country and there's no answer right there's no real answer to that and Uh, it just depends on the times we live in Something I remember, like this is very iconic. I'm sure you know this this Charles Barkley commercial, right? With a uh, with Nike that he yeah. he did a long time back. Uh, with I am not a role model. Like if if you want, it's not my responsibility to teach your kids. And I mean that that kind of resonates with me. You know, like these players, yes, they have an influence. Yes, they should not be you know promoting racism or whatever. But when it comes to behavior of other people in this community, it's largely up to how you get raised. And how like what your what your worldview is, and that's not the pro player's responsibility to shape your worldview. They can try not to, you know, make the whole scene extremely toxic. I I would be on board with that. Okay, like, well, there, there's uh, a they shouldn't middle... promote bad behavior, but there's like you know there's a, there's a middle ground here. Your example is not... not great though. Charles Walker came out and said that you know at some point later in his career that he understands that he, of course he's a role model, like. Yeah, I know it's an extreme, but it's more how to say. Um, I, I would that, that's what I was getting at. Like, I'm not, I don't 100 percent agree with that statement, but I agree okay. with the message behind it that it's not his responsibility to raise people's kids, right? Oh, of course. Like, ultimately, it's still about you know your everyday life. We are just a little part of it in our game, and we should not be held accountable for everybody else's behavior. So, like the fact that let's say online gaming or the community is toxic 
does not fall back on the players' failures. It's not their fault. That's what I mean. Like the, the players are not the reason that the community is is angry and games and raging. It's not because RTZ two years ago said GG I'm running down mid. Like that's not why everybody else is <clears throat> is flaming each other, right? Like it's he probably he might have had an influence. I'm not saying he didn't, but you well, can't. But, like, I mean, trace pro players, all this back to people, pro players you know? can def. I mean, I, I disagree. They with can that influence it. I can agree. They they can not only influence it, but they can cause certain issues within the community as a result of their behavior. That's that's the reality of the situation, right? Mm-hmm. Whether but they then how, whether, mu- how much? Well, that that's the question. Like, like again, whether the player. The first point is though that whether the players want to believe it or not, they do influence mm-hmm. people within the community. And it can't have a negative or positive effect. That's just the way it is. It's not even, that's not a matter of opinion. I agree with that yeah. 100%. But yeah, I agree. It is, there is a fine but line. Where would you draw the line? That I, it, everybody would have a different like, question. Everybody would answer that differently. That's the problem. Yeah. Right? So, so and Valve how is the you, only one that can on technically So they need to do decide. Something. It's not okay. going to happen though. I don't think <laughs> that's not their I mean, MO. That's what know? I think is the problem about this is that the, what I always say when it comes to communication stuff like this is to <laughs> me, context is everything. Like, what you say in one context, if you say the same words on the street in the US or say it in an online game, it might make a very big difference, okay? Like based on yeah. what you say, where you say it, and how you say it. And the 10 years ago, important. saying certain things would have been okay, especially in the yeah. US. It's completely So the context obviously changes. And then the question is like, what kind of change do we want to see? What do we think should be the goal? And I guess really importantly, what is realistic, okay? And what is fair? Mm. Um and if players get treated like maybe we also need to how to say maybe we need to implement other systems in the game itself with community something i was talking about was i think the way we can solve or improve the community like this is we need something like overwatch that they have in csgo where there are actually people who manually go through cases of people saying racist stuff or being overly obnoxious and then they manually decide if they're banned or not because an automated system can't do this then people are like yeah just report them but the problem is people are misusing the report system so it doesn't work yeah, like and I, by the way, I loved counts. I loved doing that Overwatch thing in Counter Strike when it first oh, came out. Oh, you did it! Oh, I cool. it was That's... a lot of fun. It was, and yeah. because I'm so experienced, and I think I can't remember if they actually did this, but you gain MMR for that for what like as a replay watcher, so your uh-huh. opinion ends up meaning more over time. Which for me was great yeah. because you know playing for so long, I can tell who's a cheater. It's very easy; like it's extremely easy, ninety five percent of the time. Uh, yeah. I I mean I agree. Like these people that let's say they say something blatantly racist, <clears throat> I'm okay after one time banning them for six months. Like, I, what's wrong with if these people that feed down mid repeatedly and they have a pattern of doing so, ban them yeah. for literally ever? Like, why? Why not? Who cares? You banned, you banned a couple South American kids for gambling for life, and I feel yeah. like that is not as bad, believe it or not, because of the situation that they were in. Versus what some of these people do in their online games, you know what I mean? I I personally I personally disagree with just handing out bans that harshly, but I think they need something. Like let's say, you know, I'm a big fan of a warning ban that isn't that severe, and then if it's a repeated offense, then you know, True. then it's just you're done. I I don't think you should get perma banned for something. You should first get a chance to better yourself. That's my opinion. Uh, it's kind. Of, it's kind of. If you want to blow it up, it's kind of like death penalty, right? Uh, in a way, in in Dota, we it's won't the get death into penalty that, of your yes. account. But whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. So so what I what I think about this kind of system is the the root of the problem is that 
toxic behavior in the game is punishable by the report system, but because people don't use the report system correctly, Valve has to tweak the intensity of the individual report. So to give you an idea, uh, let's say you get reported for communication abuse, which could be something like being racist or being sexist or being overly toxic in the game. The problem is when people play with you and they thought you were you just just did bad and you're the reason they lost and they're just angry, man. You you were so bad this game. You maybe you didn't even say a word. When the game is over, they report you for all three categories. They report yeah. you from communication abuse, even though you said nothing, because they're just angry. You know, they just want to let out their frustration and report you. So what does Valve do? Well, they have to uh, make the reports count less because if they don't, then everybody gets banned right? So they have to loosen up on how much each one matters. And that means when it actually does matter, when you really want to report someone, how much does it do? Yeah. And how do you make this system in a way where, how do you make a system that people don't misuse? I feel like that's impossible. So the best thing you can do is to have trusted individuals go through individual cases and you can report things that are serious and then people can get, uh, can get banned on and that you- basis. <laughs> and at the same time, if you have Overwatch, and you get tons of fake reports, like where people are reporting, wow, this guy was so racist in my game, and what all he said in all chat was lol, then people mm-hmm. that send in fake reports should get a punishment because they're, you know, they're abusing the system too. They're wasting people's time. I mean, one issue and is that, that it, way. like, how do I put this? Uh, in Counter-Strike, it's more interesting if, <laughs> okay, like, let's say somebody says, oh, this guy was cheating. It's more interesting to watch the replay and see if he was cheating. I find that very intriguing for me personally. Somebody you said find something that intriguing in Dota. In Dota, well, the cheating thing people is people were cheating. I mean, I, I, it's it's less of a problem than CS, though, right? But yeah, I, I get your point. But then it becomes more. I don't know. I feel like that would just take so much longer in Dota to do this. You know what I mean? Like if there was a way to yeah. skip, like if they say something racist, let's go back to like the text abuse. If they mm-hmm. say something racist at a certain part of the game, even though there's no current way to actually point the person reviewing it to that part of the game. There needs to be something put in to do that so you can just not have to watch a literal hour replay just to see like one I mean, thing they text in the middle somewhere. You're actually raising a really fair point that I didn't think about. Dota doesn't record the voice. So if somebody is abusive over voice, you can't prove True. that in an Overwatch system currently. When you go to replays, you don't hear what people said. And I think Valve will not be saving that in the replay files because it would make the replays way too big, probably, is my guess. Or mm. they have to tune down massively the quality of the audio. I don't know how good it is. Maybe I'm wrong. Like Maybe it barely makes a difference for the file. Um, but clearly, if there are people who want to be toxic, they will find the, the possible loophole there is, right? If it turns out, oh, we're getting banned for being abusive on text, there's going to be abusive on voice instead. Like That's how it mm-hmm. is, right? Yeah. So you have to find like a, a solution to that. If you can do that, without making the replays much bigger and without like tanking on capacity for Valve, then I think being able to record the audio is... Yeah, that's the thing. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Like, should people go back, be able to go back through replays and hear what other people said in the heat of the moment when they were angry? I mean, they can see what they typed, right? So from that well, perspective, uh, let, maybe it isn't so different, but it's let's, like... A, let's end it, this it topic. It weird in some way. Let's end this topic with uh-huh. the idea okay. of what we're talking about of being able to go back and punish people more harshly for things they say will help. Mm. And that's a good thing. But how to do it, obviously, we just thought about it now. And we don't have a clear solution. It's not easy either. It's not like... It's not easy. Of course, it's not easy. Nothing's going to be perfect. Yeah. So, So. okay. All right. Next piece of drama. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was a long drama segment. Number two. Number two. Okay. Clairvoyance and NIP slash PPD. 
So yeah. Clairvoyance wrote this very... Did you read this, by the way? Uh, No. All right. So he wrote a very, very, very like George R.R. Martin type novel on Twitlonger about this situation that he uh, that occurred recently with him. I actually read the whole thing and Uh I don't want to like I'm not I'm not saying I agree or disagree with anything. All all I'm saying is he's actually even though I understand it was very long for what it should have been. He's a very good writer, very eloquent writer. And I was actually quite impressed uh yeah because usually maybe this is all a stunt to get uh get <laughs> right. signed yeah well i mean game of thrones could have used them without writing in the last yeah. season that's for sure anywho yeah. uh so okay. to sum up what he said uh he essentially shits a lot on ppd both from a character uh-huh. perspective and as a captain kind of like how he treats people and he shits on hitchum is that is that the manager that's the ceo of nip the ceo of nip okay yes. i did not know that uh, essentially broken promises on percentage uh, he provides a little bit of proof but it's kind of mm-hmm. it's kind of iffy i suppose uh the fact that he had no contract obviously doesn't help um and he tried to record the conversation which i want to talk to you a bit about but the recording didn't work but he did have some chat logs to kind of back it up that in, uh-huh. kind of insinuated that of course he probably is right in that specific instance mm-hmm. um well what did you think of this situation as a whole okay so like i said i did not read his wall of text uh yes. but i did like, you got the gist, get out sure. the main points yeah exactly um of what was going on um i mean as as <clears throat> as simple as it gets honestly if you get into a job like this you need a fucking contract like that's <clears throat> to me that's the number one piece of advice that i can give and that just clears this kind of situation if there's a broken promise on a percentage but there's no contract then get it like it's easy to say in hindsight right like sometimes you use goodwill in esports or whatever but when there's this amount of money on the table and it's it's a performance-based thing or whatever like just just get it in writing insist on getting it in writing and if they want you as a coach or whatever performance you're going to have for the team and they refuse to give it in writing then they don't want you enough like it's that simple for me if they don't want to pay you what it costs then they don't trust you to begin with and then you shouldn't work with these people uh, whether it's the captain of the team or the right, org gonna, itself or some I'm gonna team stop member, you for I'm going to stop okay. you for a second because okay. there's there's definitely two sides to this. The, nothing in this mm-hmm. world is black and white. Uh, no. And the reason I'm going to slightly disagree with you is because, and I'm not saying NIP did this because uh, mm-hmm. I don't know the full story, obviously, but in the past with other organizations, I've seen this so many times, the organization most of the time is the one taking advantage of the person uh, that they're hiring, quote unquote, without a contract. They can manipulate yeah. them in a way that you feel forced to not have a contract. So for you, as an example, let's say you were hired as a coach. You're a very big name just in general in the whole scene. So I think that you're comparing your situation with his is not fair either. If you're on, if you're not I have more su- leverage, right? I mean, clairvoyance has done a lot of coaching in the past, but I wouldn't say he's obviously not even nearly as known as you. Uh, so being able to get a job in writing might have been very difficult to the point where it maybe it's just worth not did, signing that contract for a couple well, months. Well, did he talk about see. that in the in the long message? Did he write that he really tried hard to get a contract, but they refused? Uh, he, the, he the wording, talk- like the way it sounded, it sounded like you know it, it. That was just how it was, 
and that honestly, he didn't force it. if I'm being honest, I don't. I read the whole thing. I don't remember if he said that. Okay, <laughs> which is uh, kind of the issue. Well, if you don't remember, he probably didn't put a lot of emphasis on it, right? Because then you would remember. Then it would yes, have been one of the true. key points of the writing. So yeah. it feels like if he didn't put a lot of emphasis on it, because that would be where I would really, really, really side with that person if they're trying super hard mm -hmm. to get a contract and they're like, guys, I need a contract on this. I'm just being professional. I'm doing my job. You do yours, and they refuse. For me, a much bigger part of the blame lies with the org because then he has done what he can. I'm not saying the org is without fault here. I'm never, I'm like, clearly, we, we don't even know both sides of the story fully. We don't know all the details. Maybe we never will. But the situation is this. If you want to protect yourself and avoid these issues, you need to get contracts. And if the org isn't providing you or suggesting one, you should push for it. And if they still don't want to do it, then it's up to you if you want to take the gamble at that point, right? Then you're like, okay, right. do I trust these guys or not? Do I believe in it? But if you haven't even tried to do it, maybe they would have given him one, no questions asked, and he just didn't really push for it very much. Um, that's, you know, a different situation. And if you get these things in writing, you have so much better of a case compared to like some bit of chat locks here and there, or maybe one voice recording that you maybe have or maybe don't. And that becomes a lot of he say, she say kind of thing instead of, you know, just having it in writing. Um, so to, just to clarify here, I'm not sure the fault lies with him on this in this issue. Okay, we just don't know because it hasn't been written or talked about a lot. Who, right. but uh, why there is what, no contract? That's really so the out, issue, right? Why is there this, no contract outside of this specific instance? Because again, we don't know. I would say in general, and I feel very confident saying this, or it's, mm -hmm. that's my opinion though, uh, that in most of these kind of cases, the org I feel is more at fault than the player or coach or whoever. I feel mm -hmm. like usually it is the organization taking advantage of a situation. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not disagreeing. I'm not taking any sides here. Okay, no, like, I'm not saying NIP no is right or yeah. this guy's right. I'm not taking anyone's side. I'm just saying whatever the reason is that there is no contract in place, that is the root of the problem. Is that whether like somebody in chat right now is saying that he signed a contract, a three-month contract, but that didn't include uh, prize money percentage, just a salary. Uh, did they pay his salary? If yes, okay, what about the percentage? When that was talked about, you can change a contract. Like You can add it in afterwards or make a separate contract. You can have two separate contracts at once, right? You can have one for your salary and you can have a, a bonus right. incentive contract so let, or whatever. You so just let, need to get it in writing. I, so I want to ask you something. So let's take a hypothetical uh -huh. situation, which could have happened here. We don't know. Let's say yep. you're under contract for a salary, but you're not mm -hmm. getting a percentage currently. The captain of the team is known to be the person that actually makes the decisions not because it's yep. up to it's usually up to the captain or the team in general what percentage mm -hmm. a coach gets if any so let's yep. say that is the case okay in this situation mm -hmm. and you have a conversation on whatsapp for example which is the case here and the captain yep. says i will pay you this percentage do you consider that good enough to be able to make a kind of a stink in the way that it has been like what if this mm. what if you were put in that specific situation so you mean, everything else. So let's say they have a conversation on WhatsApp and PPD uh, in this instance says, uh, uh, you coach our team, you get 5%, 7.5%, whatever of the prize winnings. Yes. And then when you have done your job, you don't get paid that percentage. I'm, I'm not sure. Like, what do you mean? Make a stink? Like, do you, do you feel like he did not? Um, okay. Are you asking me if what PPD wrote was not uh, confirmed enough that he should be able to blame the org? Is that what you're asking here? Kind of, yeah, yeah. Like, put yourself um, in. A, in a, I mean, that's, like, let's forget about these names. That's a cause... that's a that's a tough one, right? Because is that is that like PPD is the captain of the team, and he says there is a percentage, but he doesn't offer. A, there's no contract signed, and you don't know how much the orc has been into this either. 
Mm. Like if people if it goes out of the players' cuts and the org has nothing to do with it, that's one thing. But again, like who do you sign a contract with then? Well, th- that's what are I'm saying. Are you actually signing is... a contract with the org, or are you signing it with the other players? What, what I'm saying is this situation. There's so many unknowns for our side that we can't predict one way or the other. So I'm bringing up a specific scenario for you. Forget about PPD. Mm-hmm. Forget about NIP. Forget, forget about clairvoyance. This is just okay. other people. Yep. Let's just say this is you. Mm-hmm. You are a coach. Okay. The captain mm-hmm. who is it's very known is somebody that will decide the percentage that you get at an event. If they yeah. tell you on WhatsApp, for example, that you'll be getting a specific percentage and then that doesn't happen, would you hold them accountable to this degree? Or would you kind of just let it slide? I would definitely hold them accountable. Okay. But at okay, the no, same I, time... I, honest, I was just more curious, on, like how much of a but contract But honestly, on top of that, that I would also... If I ended up in a situation where I wasn't getting my money in the end, I would partially blame myself for not enforcing a contract. Right. That's... That's, no, I that's, just think nowadays with with this kind of, especially in esports, there's been so much shady shit going on. And I'm not going to like say that PBD is a shady person or that NIP is a shady company or whatever you want to call it. Like, I'm not the judge of this. I'm just saying historically in esports, there are a lot of instances where money doesn't go where money is supposed to go. We already had one earlier today when we talked about the, the yeah. tournaments from DES, GSC, right? Like in, in the end, just get things in writing. And if you talk to PPD and he says, we'll give you 7.5%, say, sounds good. I would like a contract on it. And if he refuses to give you a contract, don't do your work. I, I mean, I know I'm making it sound super simple, but what else can you do? What more can you do to protect yourself? Uh, I, I, I'm still going like, to disagree with you. What else is better? I feel like you no, are but what's in, better? You're in a situation just, where you, you think can it's just do because that, of though. my perspective. Yes, that's what I think. Okay. I'm well, looking if, at it from then, an up-and-comer that's not known. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not saying this is even clairvoyance to begin with. I just... Bring up uh-huh. these scenarios, right? An upcounter that's not known, they, they have to take these risks. It is a risk, and they probably know that going in, or they yeah. should at least. Well, then but your they, perspective, I think, is different. They don't then have your the perspective is that the primary prize is the experience at having your name associated with having been the coach of NIP, and the secondary prize is the salary, right? Mm. So you, there's a lot of value in doing it for you, even if you were to do it for free. You know what I mean? Like, because your name is now associated with NIP, and if they do well, it reflects on you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so in that kind of situation, if, if, if that is important to you, the risk is obviously the risk reward ratio is super different then, right? Cause you have a lot more to gain, even if it fails, but then in the end, when stuff like this happens, if you chase the money this much afterwards and you make this much, uh, of a, of a story out of it, the question is, how does this reflect on you? Does this make clairvoyance look good? Does this make him attractive for other teams to get as a coach now? Or did this burn bridges? That's the question. Like, was this a good move? If you're right. only talking from the perspective of, of his brain, right? Because then if we think it's a bad move for getting jobs in the future, then maybe he should have tanked the loss on the money. Then I can see if that's what you're getting at, I could mm-hmm. I could definitely see that being the better play then. But So that's another question yeah. entirely. Do you think it was worth it? Because from my perspective, probably not. Uh, he I he really, came off as, I really he, don't know. He admitted this as well that he's a very emotional person. It came off that way mm-hmm. based on how much text there was. So, and everybody's yeah. scenario is different. Like I've said, like everyone's situations just just varies, and you can't. It's not black and white. And I feel, I, I do feel easily, bad for him. But. I I could easily see if you're a team right now and you're like we're looking for a coach. Oh, there's the NIP coach is now free, and then you go and read that wall of text. You're like, yeah. is this the right fit? Like, do we? Do we think this is the guy for us? Because if what you want is someone who's like concise and strict and to the point, and this is what we want, do we think this is the guy that will fit us? And maybe he would actually be a good fit, but now these kind of 
like all this drama surrounding him is that worth the risk like either you're the team or the organ you're like yeah but clairvoyance you know it's a bit uncertain what we're gonna get and i think it depends if like on if they just genuine just, and if they yeah. believe him to a high yeah, degree the thing then maybe but i think overall this definitely hurts him right yeah. i think so um and I'm I'm of the opinion when it comes to things like this, going public with stuff like this is a last resort. Last, yeah. That's what exactly. I'm saying. If he absolutely did what he could to get his money, he talked to NIP, he talked about the contracts, he showed them the proof of what PPD has sent. Because obviously the org can also, you know, put pressure on their players because it will reflect poorly on the org, right? Let's say PPD offers X percent, okay, or whatever person offers whatever. And then the person is not paid. Then they go to the org and say, hey, your player promised me this, but they're not paying. This doesn't mean the org is owing him any money, right? It's PPD or whoever that needs, or the team that needs to pay out the money. Mm -hmm. Um, Then the org can still put pressure on the players and say like, you guys have to pay this amount because if you don't, this will reflect poorly on US players and us as an org. So even though the organization is not the ones necessarily at fault with the money here, they still get part of the backlash. Right. right. So it's obviously in their interest so to solve this behind closed doors we, and not make a big fuss out of it. We should also mention so the that the question n- is, did he try his best to, to handle it before he went public? Because I feel like people rush to do this right nowadays. Nowadays in esports, if there's something that's wrong, <laughs> you just true. go on Twitter like way yeah. too fast. Like try, sit yeah. down, try to k- keep a calm mind and look at your options. Go through the natural steps first of resolving I mean, the conflict. Considering how much, can, dude, considering how much text right. there is, uh, that doesn't yeah. feel like a snap <laughs> that had to take no, days. I mean, ag- again, maybe I'm talking too much for the fact that I haven't read everything he wrote, but it's more of a, a how to say, it, it's more of a hypothetical answer just on the concept itself, right? And what people do in this kind of situation. I'm not, again, I'm not judging. I'm not saying he didn't do this. It's possible he did do all this. And if he has done all he can uh, to resolve it privately and it didn't work and he goes public, I'm cool with that. Like if he did everything he could and and nothing good came out of it and he feels like he was wronged and this is a good case, you go for it if you think it's worth it. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's kind so of it, right? we should mention that NIP, of course, did make an official statement today. Uh, yep. It was kind, kind of generic. Uh, they denied pretty much everything, I want to say. I'd have to... Sorry, I've had a long day, so I don't remember exactly what they said, but mm-hmm. it was kind of what you expected from the org. Um but I did want to read this one quote from Clairvoyance's post, which could bring up another talking point potentially. Um, so he he goes on to write in this <laughs> ridiculous wall of text, uh, but this is a small segment. It has been made clear to me by Peter Pandam, until I hear the recording, you're getting 0%. And as I stated earlier in this post, the recording doesn't work. It's a crazy world in this day and age where you need recordings of a man just for him to verify that he said it and be accountable to his word. But at least I have the log above, which states that you changed your mind based on circumstances that also changed. The word, this is the part that's interesting to me. The word wiretapping seems negative and wrong in my mind, and I regretted even trying or using it, even holding on to one right now. But there are no unions, player associations, or whatever to protect people in my line of work. Esports is not official enough for such things. So I delved into a lightly... I sorry, I delved into it lightly, feeling guilty at the time. But after all, once again, I damn wish that I had it so I could expose what kind of BS is being at play here against me and the people involved. I will never forgive. I would never outright scam someone of money. I told them they would receive in whatever capacity, no matter or no amount of words can express my malevolence towards you in this situation, Peter Pan. Damn. I mean, this is so 
his post in That's... general was kind of like a character assassination of PPD, I mm -hmm. would say. Um, what do you think about this talk of like the no player uh, or the no unions player associations? Like, what, what do you think of the whole idea of recording a conversation? Oh, that's a big question. What do I think about recording conversations? So I should um, I should mention that, and I in the U.S. at least, depending mm -hmm. it depends on what state you're in. Some states allow you to record conversations without other people knowing it, and others you have to say that you're doing it, and they have to yeah comply. Uh, I believe in Denmark. I'm not a hundred percent on this, but I'm like ninety nine percent that any type of conversation like that, if it is recorded, you have to inform the other people. Okay. Um. I definitely think, like that's just what my my gut tells me that that's the right thing to do as well like ethically that you don't if you don't it's kind of like you know it's almost espionage espionage right where you like you you're getting information about people and they don't know that it has the potential to be used against them and then haha it's being used against you all of a sudden um yeah. I, I don't know that just that feels wrong to me on an ethical level um so I would say absolutely uh, record if you want to record something you should be allowed to but you need the the consent of everybody involved in the call uh, is that a good thing to do in esports personally I think it's like there's also the kind of the hassle factor right like going through recording every call you make with everyone you have any sort of business with storing it <laughs> managing it keeping track of all of this just <laughs> in case you need it yeah it's kind hardcore. of it, it's really hardcore and it's almost paranoid in a way right <laughs> mm -hmm. so honestly again when it comes to the moment it comes down to business okay when it's about promises when it's about money all this kind of stuff i just think your best friend is going to be a contract either way like whether you record the calls or not get a contract in place for for right. the stuff that you do with other people i i personally so i think what some people are concerned about when it comes to stuff like this is they're concerned about pressuring for a contract because they feel like then they're going to get declined or uh, people are going to be like, oh, you're just in it for the money. You know, you don't care. It's not about the team aspect so much for you. You're just here to get your money or whatever. But like, it's a professional field. To me, if somebody comes to me and I have a team and they want to be my coach and they make like, and they're very professional about it, to me, that's a plus. I mean, maybe it's a negative to other people, but I feel like, yo, you, you know what you want. You know how to get there. And this is how you want to be treated. I'm I, cool with me, you know? Like if I'm from an org, I want people like that, right? You want people that... That are confident, and I feel right. like and it shows confidence. There's there's one other aspect that so. we should probably talk about in the fact that some people just don't work well together. Uh, this is I Absolutely think we talked true. about this. We talked about this on a previous episode where it was no, actually, sorry, this was in an interview. Um, yeah, where I, I talked about how I'm a very self-deprecating person, right? And if I feel like I want to say something positive about myself, I like to think that maybe I'm actually really good at that because I'm actually being positive about it for once. One thing mm -hmm. that I feel like in, in terms of like my time owning a team, the one thing that I was really good at, in my opinion, is mm -hmm. knowing, <clears throat> and it sounds easier than it really is, but knowing which personalities would actually work together. Uh, that is not easy. That is not easy, man. I find it like it. I'm. I feel like I'm right almost all the time about these situations because yeah, and a uh, lot of people are wrong about it all the time. So yeah, you're good so, then. <laughs> so I mean. There's a lot of dirt on a lot of people in the scene, Cinderin, right? Mm -hmm. That's just the yeah. way it is. And Not on us, though. We're, of course, saints. We're very clean, clean, good boys. Good, clean boys, but yes. Just knowing, like, just some of the stories the players would tell me about other people, I'm like, okay, well, of course, there's no evidence to, you know, do anything about it, but you probably think it's true. 
because you know kind of the history behind a specific person, whether it be, you know, another player or whoever else. And yeah. I don't know. It's some people just can't work together. It's just plain and simple. And this is definitely one of those situations. I think PPD, uh, I don't really know that well. I've never really had a bad experience with him personally, so I can't really speak to that. But he does come off as a very uh, direct and he can definitely be negative. I can definitely see him being a negative captain, which is good in a lot of situations, honestly. And if you bring on a coach that's maybe, and again, this is not to hit Clairvoyance's fault, but you bring in a coach that's emotional, it's, it's never going to work. Like, honestly, not necessarily a good work. match, no. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think PPD would absolutely have no problem with being considered strict. I don't, I don't think that's unfair in any way to say, and I think that's also what he's going for. Like, I yeah, think he's even sure. in past... I think I don't remember if it was in an interview or something where he was out and said, you know, like, when he plays for a team, he's there to do his job, not to make people happy, you know? Like, it's about... It's work. You, you, go, you go there to win, and you do what it takes to win. Um. And for other people, the whole like really feel good team aspect plays a bigger part. Uh, like I'm, I'm not going to put words in his mouth here because I'm not 100% sure exactly what the quote was, but it was something along the lines of, you know, I'm not in these teams to make friends. We're, we're here to win. Okay. Um, which, you know, I think you can have both. I think you can have a very functional team where people are good friends and also play to win, something like Team Liquid. But there's no like... I think in a, in a way it can also backfire if you try to make friends with everyone because then maybe you don't make the moves that it takes to be successful. Yep. If you get too attached to these people, then maybe you will turn a blind eye to something that is clearly a problem in the team mechanic. Like if somebody is just clearly underperforming or is not compatible, but they're a good person and you want to be friends with everyone, then maybe you don't make the kick that is right. And instead you make a kick that is wrong or you don't kick at all when the right thing to do was in fact to, you know, you need a change in the team. Um, so from a success perspective and your goal being to win, I don't think there's anything wrong with being a strict person. That's not who I am personally, but I can obviously easily understand that other people, um, will use that approach. And I, I don't think necessarily that it's bad or worse than any other approach. It's just, it's just different. Right. So, yeah. um, and that really comes down to the person who does it. And you can't <laughs> deny Peter has had tons of success. I think he has made lots of enemies and I think he's made lots of friends too along the way. And, you know. Then you need to decide for yourself if it was worth it and you did it the right way. But he's getting results, so what can you say? And I think the the last thing I'll say is when you're, it's not just PPD, but other cat like Eternal Envy is another name. When you get involved with a player that has a reputation and you've heard a lot about, you mm-hmm. kind of know what you're getting into. So it's it's up yeah. to you to decide whether that's potentially going to work, right? Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's I, very true. That's very true. I, I do hope that things work out for clairvoyance. I feel for him because. Uh, situations like this suck whether it's completely the org's fault or a mix of the two who knows uh but hopefully he gets paid what you know was agreed upon so that is the end of drama my my conclusion on this whole thing i I feel like i did say it a couple of times during the during the whole thing but i just want to say it again like i did not read the whole statement in detail uh i do pretty much know what it encompasses but these situations are like i don't know who's at fault i don't feel like there's any need to assassinate anyone until we really know what's going on. Uh, is there any need to assassinate anyone after that? I don't, I don't mean, I don't know. Um, but this this whole situation, in the end, I think the biggest part for me to get through here in conclusion is try to get contracts. And if you feel like you don't have the leverage to get a contract or that you don't want to push for it, then be prepared to take the loss. 
Because in the end, no matter how you look at it, if you didn't try your best to get things in writing, then you partially will have yourself to blame. I really think of it this way. Because you obviously are in, like, that is the one thing you are in control of in this situation is trying to get things in writing. And if you haven't tried your best at least to do that, then, you know, you can always say afterwards, oh, I could have done this and maybe things would have been different. And then you will have that regret. So get that out of the way and then yeah. move from there. That's what I think. Yep, I, I agree. And it's, it's a, it is a little sad, though, that we're not at a point yet that that's just that, that's 100% standard. Yeah. Like, it's standard for most orgs, I feel like. That's why it's a little weird. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe not most, actually. I don't know for sure about that, actually. Uh, in NA, it's pretty damn common. Uh, yeah. I would assume Europe is... This, I don't know. And That's I mean, weird. What makes, what makes this case so special, right, is uh, I believe this was said in the NIP statement, right, that the coach's percentage would not go out of NIP. So this was with the team. I believe that they said something to those lines. Am I right? I feel like I read something like that. Say that again. Um, that whatever percentage clairvoyance was supposed to get would be out of the player's cut, not out of the org. So it was not the org owing him money. It was the players. I think that's something I, like that. So I think like. I read that the org doesn't and, take a cut. Okay. Well, if that is the case, right? If it is not out of the org's cut, then... Um, there's not then the the orgs will not be the driving force behind the contract right they will probably feel like you know you handle this we have contracts with our players and maybe it's just a hassle for the org to get involved and sign contracts that are technically about money that circulates outside of anything they have they are directly paying in like receiving or paying from they are not mm -hmm. doing a transfer here um but what you could do is in these cases maybe you could go to the org and be like okay uh, I want to coach your team. I want to have a contract with the org so that it's stable, set in place, and we have the right law enforcement around it. And then the org basically takes part of the team's payout and funnel it into the sixth person's account instead. So it's like it goes out of the prize money cut that goes to NIP. But that's not how it works, I think. That's the problem, right? For TI, for example... When prizes get paid out by Valve, they get paid to the players directly, I believe. Yes. Um, you make Which, like by the way, does that change uh, this year? I don't think it does, but does it's I interesting to think about. Does that change this year based on the fact that DPC is based off the org now and not the players, right? I don't know. I, I don't know how that works. But under the assumption that the payments of the tournaments go directly to the players, then NIP never sees the money that they would be supposed to pay clairvoyance from, right? Mm -hmm. So the natural thing for the org to do in that case is just be like you know what the money is with the players you want part of the percentage you need to work it out with the players and handle it with them so the contract does not go through us That's i think exactly. it would be a lot easier yeah. for the org to manage this if the prize money went to the org first and then they paid the players their percentage because then they could just take whatever percentage that they were supposed to pay the players and then put that into the coach and then be done with it but if, that's it, if that's not the payout structure that's the problem so with dc at ti that's exactly what happened the org did, for whatever godforsaken reason, was in the contract. We did not take any prize pool. All of it went mm -hmm. to the players. So it made sense from our perspective. All right, if you're giving a prize pool cut to one of these coaches, which we had two, then it's completely yeah. up to you. Like, why would I have anything to do with that if, you're, if I'm not getting any money? So, yeah. and of course, that led to drama. <laughs> People wanted more money. Uh, yeah. And it's actually a similar situation to this, just not as bad. So mm -hmm. it's just, you know. I don't know, man. And I it's think because of that, Valve implemented at TI, for example, that the 
whoever benefited from the prize pool, you entered it in like the Steam system. You actually entered how big a percentage would be allocated to each person out of the prize money. So there was like no intermediary. It was straight Valve to person payment. Okay, so That's it's just it. like it was through Workshop then, the Workshop yes. payments. Okay. Yeah. At TI6, I mean, the last TI I played at was TI6 with Escape. And we, in that work, in the workshop, the prize money payout, you entered all the entities you entered. Player, 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 coach, and org. And then whatever percentage went to each. Hmm. Uh, I don't. Maybe they don't do that anymore. I'm not sure. But uh, if they do that system, then that is a pretty easy way of fixing the whole like uh, coach, right? Because then... <laughs> or well is it because it still needs to be in writing right that's basically yeah. valve making a contract for the players right yeah, there pretty much that forces that's a them. contract yeah exactly um but if that's not the payout structure for every tournament you know then different story all so, right so let's move on yeah. cinderwin we that don't know is who's the... right we don't know who's wrong but we know that the situation sucks so yes that's very it. true uh moving on i think these next two topics will be pretty short because we want to talk about the patch yeah uh ti9 got sold out immediately Instantly. A lot of reports of scalpers uh, gaining access, despite uh, to the early access. That is, despite there being kind of a precautionary measure being put with the battle pass. Uh, yep. I think you get access like an hour earlier or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, did you want to talk about this at all? I actually have nothing to I talk about on this. I just I don't know enough about the specifics because I didn't look into it at all, right? Yeah, same. Um, but well, I think the, the main the, issue for us. The like, question is if the ticket sellers gave access to people that were not supposed to have it. I think that's the question. Is these scalpers, were they people who legitimately had a battle pass but just bought a lot of tickets one hour early? Or were, were was it people that massively got access when they weren't supposed to and then bought the tickets that were supposed to go to people that have the battle well, pass? Well, I don't think anybody knows what actually happened, though. Right? No. It's more about what's the best yeah. system. And I actually, I don't really know. <laughs> I think scalping scalpers, is really like, tough to combat. I don't yeah, know every, every sport has it. Uh, yeah. It does suck, obviously, um, especially for people on that side of the world. That might be the only TI they can ever go to if it's never in China again. That is, but yeah, we don't know that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a it's a tricky situation, right? It's like the market regulates itself almost. You know, you buy you buy these tickets, and if people want to pay more for it, then they will pay more, right? Do you want to go or not? Like, I have the ticket, you don't. And how do you how do you prevent people from doing this? I just I don't know. Like I don't, I'm not. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not. Um, I don't know what enough about it to really make a statement on it. I guess is what I'm getting okay. at here. Uh, Earthshaker Arcana was released through the battle pass. Correct. Very uh, cool. All right, tell me about it. What do you like about it? This Arcana is amazing. So, first of all, I'm biased because I fucking love Earthshaker. I know. Uh, I've always loved this hero. I love the voice acting, which they made a lot of new voice lines for with a slightly uh, altered voice. So that's super cool. Uh, I love the I love the idea of it doing the combo counter during the game. I think that's just really fun. Um, Wait, I guess we should we go over what it does exactly? Uh, yeah, sure, go ahead. Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I'm trying to remember everything. So first of all, unique voice lines and lots of new voice lines, uh, slightly altered. Mm-hmm. Then it has a progress thing where you need to get 500 kills or assists with Echo Slam to unlock an alternate style that has a different color. Um, and that alternate style also affects the rare from the treasure number one, if you have that one, uh, that is called, I think, Judgment of the Fallen. Uh, yeah, the fissure. The one is called Judgment of the Fallen. Yeah, the one that makes the fissure. And it also changes the animation of the fissure to be both blue and red, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, 
In addition to that, the the Arcana itself has three gems in it. It has the counter for the killer assist from Echo Slime. Then it has a combo record. And what the way this works is that the game uh, does a combo counter for when you cast spells in succession. And every spell that connects on a hero gives you plus one on the counter. So that's both Aftershock, Enchant Totem, Fissure, and Echo Slam. Which means if you Enchant Totem and then Fissure, you proc Aftershock twice. So you can imagine the combos can go pretty big mm-hmm. uh, if you land on a lot of heroes in succession. And then it also has a combo damage record. So it tracks both of those. Then it has new animations, ambient effects, custom sound, uh, kill effects... All this kind of stuff. Uh, I love it's the. Just, it's just really, really cool. So I know that they kind of reuse the same. Oh, one more thing. Oh, go ahead. Two more things. I forgot. Wait, I'm not even done. It has a okay. custom blink animation. So when you use the blink mm-hmm. dagger, your hero leaves like a rune behind it for a moment of time, and then it teleports to the area, and then it spins around. So it has like this custom blink. And when you have agonims, so when you jump with Shaker, he has two different agonims animations: one where he spins horizontally, and one where he spins vertically while he jumps. And all of these animations just. Look and when so you cool. kill people so. with uh, Echo Slam, it's a different animation. It looks diff- different yeah, particles and so, whatnot, yeah. which is actually yeah. really. Cool. I, I like the theme a lot. It's like constellation, right? Like you get a kill on somebody, they turn into a constellation. Like the Big Dipper showed up for one of them. It's like that's actually so cool. Uh, I don't know if I've noticed that actually. I've only played it twice, I think. So. Out, so. Do you care that they're reusing the same colors for every Arcana? It's always this. You mean like, the blue red thing? Well, it's not. You say blue red. It's more like a, a what is it like a teal slash yeah, orange? Yeah, it's always red. orange, not red. What, yeah, colorblind. Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah, it's okay. teal orange. I guess that's fair enough to say. I, I uh, think it looks awesome, but I can understand why some people kind of complain that it's just the same colors being reused every time. Yeah, I believe the argument is that one is the radiant color and one's the dire color, right? Of the ancients. Is the it? ancient has that like tealish color, and the dire one has the orangish color. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like the the glowing parts of the ancients are that teal and orange. Right. But okay. I mean, that doesn't mean they have to be that, right? Uh, at the same time, though, there's been other arcanas that did not follow through that, like the pudge is green, for example, right? The upgraded pudge. Um, I think the Rubik doesn't use those color schemes at all either. So it's just something that they have reused for different heroes, uh, but they don't do it. Consequently, right, in what, every arcana. Right? What's your favorite and least favorite thing about it? Uh, hmm, let me think. I think overall, the absolute. That's tough, man. It's probably a shared first place, and the coolest thing is probably between the animations when you have agonims and mm-hmm. the voice. Okay. And the least cool thing is. Hmm. If you say there's a kill animation when people die, maybe it's that one, just because I haven't thought about it, but I would need to see it to really okay. say, right? So. so my my least favorite thing is something I think they're going to fix. Uh, so when you get the second version of the upgraded theme, mm-hmm. of the unlocked style or whatever, it doesn't change the counter to be orange. Oh, I didn't know that. That's pretty... I think yeah, they okay. will change that, though. I'm pretty yeah. sure... Okay, that's, that's my just... least favorite, too. I didn't know that. And my favorite thing, which is the stupidest thing to like, but I, I don't know why I, I love it, is it changes... I don't even know if you mentioned this. It changes the Blink Dagger icon. I Oh, true. Yeah, that. it does that, too. And yeah, not only that, I was shocked. Because I was like, I looked at the, the, the counter not being orange, right? I'm like, there's no way they changed it for the Blink Dagger. So I get the Blink Dagger. It's blue. Change it becomes orangish blue oh my god it looks so good i don't know why i like that have so you, much 
there's actually a, cu- a cool detail on the set as well. I don't know if you've noticed that the helm has two blink daggers on it, right? That's a blink oh, dagger on each side of his head. I don't know if you noticed this. At mm-hmm. least I feel like that it looks like that, and that was the intention with the design. But you'll see that later. I think very it has cool. two daggers on the helm. So, yeah. All right. Cool. So 7.22 yep, nice. and 7.22B have been released. Yep. And this is like my wet dream of a patch. Everybody gets <laughs> Aghanim Scepter. Uh, Oprah Winfrey style. So before we get to the, because so here I, I guess I should say this first. So everybody, I was shocked by the way that I got such a huge reception in terms of my ags list. I don't even think I was going to do it again because the reception wasn't <laughs> super good the second time I did it. But no. the ags power rankings, uh, as a result of that thread that was made, definitely will be done. Um, I'm going to try to come out with it a week from today. So on the next episode of We Say Things. It takes a yep. shit ton of time, by the way. <laughs> it is so time consuming. Um, so, yes. But what we're going to do instead now mm-hmm. is that we have taken all of the new ags. I believe it's 22. I could be wrong. It might be more, a little more, a little less. And we did will rate 22? them from. Huh? Is it? Did, did you know. do 22 of them? Oh, uh, I can count them right now. One, two, three, four, 18. Five, six, seven, I gave you a list. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, yeah, okay. Um, well, I have all the new ones, and we're going to score them from 1 to 10, and we're going to each say what we think, which is going to be interesting because there's going to be very different. Yes. Uh, obviously, when you do your full list in a week, they will all be rated from 1 to 118. That's how many heroes now have an agonyms in the game. But right yes. now, we're just rating them individually from 1 to 10, and we're rating them on how good is the effect. That's the only thing we're rating it on. So, we're not rating it on how good yeah. does it feel to buy ags on the hero. That's the criteria the that has mainly changed. Uh, yeah. So last time it was it was kind of a mix of things. I kind of balanced it out where, like you said, if it feels good to buy it on that hero, if it makes sense to buy it on that hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm changing that for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's just more exciting or more interesting to read, I think, when it's not. Because uh, there's a lot of ags that people just, it doesn't make sense to have on them right to yeah. buy in their inventory but the second reason is because it's so much technically easier to get ags because not only alchemist obviously but roshan dropping now the fact that you can pay an extra 2200 to just get an extra slot essentially which is amazing uh so yeah. for that reason like you said it's just going to be on the effect itself not 100 percent in a vacuum it's going to be like 90 percent. still some arbitrary okay. uh shit in there but before we get to that Sindarin. Is there mm-hmm. anything in the patch other than the ag stuff that you wanted to talk about that is kind of a big deal? Uh, I mean, we can very quickly, I think, so when it comes to patches, this is my feeling that a lot of people do this. When a patch comes out, they're like, oh, I want to see what happened to my favorite hero and items. So mm. the patch comes out and they start scrolling down because they want to see hero changes, they want to see item changes. But for me, one of the biggest things I look forward to seeing in patches is general changes, the first segment. Because I... I always feel like these are more important than the individual hero changes because they impact every single game, regardless of which heroes get picked. This is the the big stuff in a way. It's the overarching style of the game. Uh, I do I'll do like Spitfire a couple of things that I think are really interesting. Uh, first of all, you get five percent more XP from denies. Now it's up to forty percent. When it was at its lowest, it was twenty five. So denies are getting less and less valuable in terms of experience. 
Uh, when you glyph to your two plus towers now, they get multi-shot, which is pretty interesting defensively in games. <laughs> you can so, now lifesteal right. off illusions, which is a big nerf to illusion heroes. Can we talk about uh, that split shot real quick? Uh, it yeah, seems sure. super fucking random. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, mean, I, I read I some of these. I feel like every patch, okay? I feel like every big patch I read, I'm like, who the fuck came up with this? <laughs> we'll, get that, we'll get to that with the ags too. Don't worry. When oh, we get yeah. There, uh, sure we'll get there. Um, you can no longer share any region items, which is a, a very old leftover from Dota 1. This has been in the game for more than 10 years, and now it was entirely removed. You cannot share region items anymore. Um, Roshan got a lot stronger, so he's harder to kill in every game. He gets more armor, and he gets more damage per minute. Um, and in addition to that, they made two new knobs, I call them, that they can twist to or turn to... Um, decide the strength of heroes. Now certain heroes have additional base mana region and certain heroes have additional base attack speed. So this is a, another way that they can try to balance heroes around these values, but it's very unique. Like mm. currently, I think it's 10 new heroes or 9 that get base mana region and 10 or 9 heroes that get attack speed. It looks like 9 on both. Um, which is a, a very interesting thing and obviously something you've got to be really careful with how you twist these or turn them because it makes a huge difference. I think Slark was one of the heroes this patch. He got 20 base attack speed. And then he he got a slight buff to Shadow Dance. And his win rate went up 6%. And then he got nerfed two days later. And then he got nerfed, yeah. <laughs> Today. Uh, but, but that just shows something, right? It shows how big these general changes are. Yeah, uh, how much no they can do. So um, apart from that, very quickly in items, wards are a lot cheaper which is a huge impact on the game. Uh, I think Valve are trying to make it more appealing to play position 5. It's the role that, without a doubt, is the least popular in the game, I think, in all brackets. Uh, so by making wards cheaper to buy, uh, you obviously give uh, position 5s a better game. They will have more items. And sentry wards are also cheaper, and now they have a limit. So you can only have 10 of them in store, and the starting capacity is 4 and you get one extra every 70 seconds. So there's a cap on sentries, which is a buff to invis heroes. Um, so maybe we'll see some more dusts come out instead of sentries against certain heroes, and maybe heroes like Nyx will be better to play, because there's less sentries on the map. And then finally, there's two tomes at minute 10 now, uh, which, again, a buff to supports, right? Because the intention is that this will minimum go to one support, maybe even both, to give them a better game. And I have noticed in my games that when we're 15 minutes in, I'm like, wow, everyone in my team is level 9+, plus, and that is not something I'm used to seeing. So, mm -hmm. again, you incentivize uh, support play a bit more, so... Yeah, that's my, that's what I wanted to go over. The rest is hero changes, and yeah. Okay, so okay. let's get into let's do the Aghanim scepters. Let's uh, do it. So I'm well, so, actually, this no. is gonna be fun. Sorry, before be really before fun. we get to that, I did, I did want to ask you one about the Aghanim's uh, okay. Roshan drop. Yeah, because I haven't heard your okay. thoughts on that yet. So yeah. the the second. The third Roshan. The third Roshan has a 50-50 chance of dropping. It's going to have Aegis and Cheese, of course. The third item is a 50-50 between the Refresher Shard and an Aghanim Scepter. What do they call it? The Aghanim Scepter uh, upgrade. I think it's called Aghanim Scepter Consumable right now. It has no Consumable. good Consumable. I'm yeah, sure they'll something. change the icon for that and actually make something that looks cool on the map. Uh, yeah. But you can see the item on Roshan, so you know which one you're going to get. What do you think yeah. of the whole idea? Like... I guess first get into the RNG factor and then get into the idea of what do you think about having an Aghanim Scepter that you just pick up and it is consumed? Uh, I mean, I used to joke in the past, there was a time in Dota when games were really long and I said the sixth Roshan should just drop an Ion Cannon beacon. You could just like <laughs> launch a laser at a building or something to progress yeah. the game. 
Um, I personally don't have any problem with Roshan 3 Plus having higher game impact because it's, you know, when the game reaches that state, the reason these things have been implemented is that games could reach stalemates and you need to do something to make games end. Mm-hmm. I don't think this in the current version of Dota that this was necessary, uh, but I'm I'm okay with, with adding more juice to Roshan. I don't think that's a problem. What I dislike is that it's RNG. I don't think the third one should be random. I think the third one should have remained Refresher Shard or if they wanted to be Aghanims, they could have made it Aghanims instead, and then the fourth one should drop both. But I don't like the idea that it's random on a game-to-game basis, which one you get, even if you can see it beforehand on Roche. Not from the perspective that you're going to game plan your draft around, oh, we're going to get an Ags on third Roche. Like, that doesn't happen, right? But it's more... I just... I like the stability in, in that sense of knowing... Um, of knowing what impact the third Roche will have. Because you need to remember, in a lot of games... Uh, the third Roche will get killed, right? And maybe one team hasn't even seen it. So they don't know what they're up against. Like, you go into the next team fight, and then, oh, shit, they had an Axe, or, oh, they have Refresher Shard. You don't know which one it is. In the current version, or up until now, you know, enemy team got Roche, this is what we're playing against. I just, I don't like that uncertainty, that you don't you okay. don't know what the enemy is, okay? So uh, I'm going to so say, that's, first of all, I disagree, sense. respectfully. I mm, think that's You cool. love RNG. Well, no, it's that's why not you love the fucking R- Dota auto chess. Like, just, <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say, say artifact. <laughs> uh, you're, you're being recorded, okay? We are yeah, recording. Let's say it. It um, will be used against you, but you love RNG. The fact that you can scout it doesn't. I think mm-hmm. the one thing that tell me if this fixes the issue for you. Mm-hmm. So, when Aegis is dropped and somebody picks it up, it globally says who picks it up. Correct. Doesn't say that for cheese. Doesn't say that for refresher shard, and that's because those mm-hmm. can be swapped around. The Aghanim Scepter thing cannot. I feel like it should say who picks that up globally. Does that fix anything would, for you? It makes it better, for sure. I would be a much okay. bigger fan of that than the current system, for sure. I I still don't like it as much as being set, which one drops, but it's it's somewhere in between that and the current solution. I definitely think that is better. Uh, and then for the next patch, is a big word. I still think there is. The, the next patch, I want to see the fifth Roshan drop divine. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I know you. I laugh. still want the fucking it's iron cannon. Actually, beacon, it's not that crazy anymore that Roche will drop divine at some point, right? Honestly, mm, no, if I the game lasts it. long enough to be five Roches, five Roches is a long game. That's a long game. You need a divine in that game because that's very swingy and it makes it more exciting. So let's let's see it. Okay. So on. What to, if the fifth Roche? Oh, let, hear me out. Okay, yes. hear me out here. What if the fifth Roche dropped a Roshan beacon where you can summon Roshan? on the map in a, in a weaker version, but you can use Roshan as a siege weapon. <laughs> boy, oh boy. That like, he wouldn't like have like... Roshan's stats, okay? But you could summon Roshan. Icefrog, Roche sign Ling, this man whatever. up for your beta team, please. You know, I know what it will be right called, now. too. It will be called Roshan's Egg. And then it hatches <laughs> in front of you, and Roshan's baby boy comes out and starts smacking. It's hungry, <laughs> and it needs food. Okay? If he wears diaper, if there's a diaper cons- uh, cosmetic, then I'm in. Do we already okay. have it for Axe, man? It's ready to go. <laughs> the Gun and Capri Sun one has a di- diaper on, right? Oh, no, that's Witch Doctor. And then the Axe one has the oopsie diaper set. It's ready. Oh, it's in the files. Man. Just yeah, get it. Stuff. All right, okay. so this is kind of a sneak preview. I mean... This is kind of first impressions for the most part because I don't know how many of you actually seen a game of these new agonims, but we're going to give our we're going to give our one to ten. And just to be clear, it's not all the quote unquote new ags. It's the it's the agonim scepters that have never been on 
these heroes before. So heroes that temporarily didn't have them, like Morphling, Tiny, Night Stalker, we will not be doing. Okay, even though they're yep. brand new, it's just mm-hmm. the new of the new of the new. Okay, the ones that never had one before. Right. Ever. So one to ten. One is yeah absolute fucking garbage. Ten is god tier. Okay, and yep. this is of course based gotcha. on the effect and not on how realistic or whatever it may be to get the Agnum Scepter on the hero. Okay. Let's I will preface my order. numbers. I will give one quick preface here. Yeah. Most of my fives mean I have no fucking idea. Okay? okay. If I give it five, it's because I literally can't gauge if this is good at all or not. And I have either not seen it or seen it like once, and I have no idea if it's All right. Good. So for everybody and listening out there, that means that uh, I have balls and I made actual predictions. And I if I'm too. wrong, I'm wrong. Okay. I do too. I mean, right. I'm definitely going to be wrong on some of them. So but do you want to just like? Oh, would you okay. like to alternate, or how do you want to do this? Mm, I think you just go first, and I go second, and then. Okay. So yeah. Arc Warden. So let me mm-hmm. get his thing ready here. So when Arc Warden gets an Agnum Scepter, it grants him a new ability, Rune Forge, which creates a random rune in front of him. Cooldown of sixty. The selection of runes includes bounties and power up runes, and of course, he can use it on his Tempest Double. This one was a little and bit different. Yes. Before you give your score, I just want to give you one more piece of information because it might influence it. Okay. I tested this in demo mode. The runes, I think, last 20 seconds on the ground. Then they despawn. Yeah. They don't last two minutes like regular power runes. But you can bottle them, yes? You can bottle them. For two minutes. I believe. I did not test the bottling, but I okay. know you can bottle them. All right. So for Arc Warden, this is a weird one. It's a When I first read this, I'm like, this is some clowny ass shit. But then I think thought to myself, this does make sense for the hero because he wants to go like he gets farmed super fast and he kind of takes the game into late game all the time it's just his mo right so having something to kind of tip the balance in his scale a double damage for example comes to mind is probably the best room for late game sounds pretty good i'm gonna give this a seven out of ten okay i gave it a five but this is not the i don't know how (laughs) good five this is this is not one of the fives okay (laughs) The reason I'm right. giving this a five is that that is the number that is closest to the middle between one and ten. And this is fucking RNG, okay? This is so random. You spawn two runes. They can be total trash or they can be godlike in the okay. given situation. And you have no idea what you're going to get. You're literally rolling the dice. I am not a big fan of this design of the eggs. I don't think it's a good I mean, idea. That's another uh, story. Let's forget about it's, your it's that fun. aspect. No, but, yeah, but I mean... I get the fun in it, but it's just like it's hard to give this a high score just because you can get unlucky and it's just bad, or you can get lucky and it's godlike. So, well, how do you rate this? In essence, let's say you have map control with an arc warden, which is not that unusual. You're going to be getting uh-huh. that many more runes consistently. It's just like you're, you're playing I mean, the lotto, but good, your chances right? are That's pretty why it's good. Not getting a low ra- it's not getting a low rating because it's never going to be like awful, right? Every rune see, is useful in its own way. I could way, see but... six out of ten. Five out of ten seems a little low for me. I feel like that's okay. just you well, trying to make a point that it's RNG. Let's settle. We, can, we can settle for six then. That's fine. That's okay. in the middle between what we said. I'm All right. Cool Broodmother. Okay. So Broodmother. Yep. Bring it up here. When she gets an Agnum Scepter, it increases her spin web max count from 8 to 20, her movement speed from 70 to 100% while in the webs, and removes movement speed limits, meaning which is 550. So she can go faster yep. than 550. This one seems very good. I gave it a 9 out of 10. 10 out of 10. It's the best eggs in the game. The, this it's is the, the best, best eggs in the, in the entire game or in yes, of the new? I think, so. I think it's probably the best eggs in the entire game. 
Okay. This is insanely strong. Okay. Uh, Broodmother's primary limitation in the past in the past has been uh, its ability to traverse the map. Like the way you beat Broodmother is that you force fights away from the webs. But when you have twenty webs and you move at seven hundred move speed, you're not getting away. If Brood gets map control, it never loses it anymore. Like it's impossible. It totally dominates the entire map. It's so fucking fast that it can run down anything. Uh, I think this is totally crazy, and I think it will get nerfed. I think it's insanely good. Uh, Best ags in this, the entire game, according to you. Absolutely top five. No questions asked. But I need okay. to look through the rest of them right. again to think about it. Probably, I would... No, absolutely top three. Absolutely okay. top three. Yeah. All right, moving on to Clinks. When he gets an Aghanim Scepter, creates two skeletons near him when exiting Skeleton Walk. Also increases Skeleton Walk speed by 30%, and much like Broodmother, unlocks max movement speed. Oh, this one was very difficult for me because there's multiple aspects to it, right? Like, the, I think the two skeletons is not very good, personally. I think that's kind of dumb. Uh, the unlocking max movement speed, now that I think about it, I didn't actually test that, but that does sound good. Pretty useful. I think this is lower than it should be. It's It probably is. I gave it a 4 out of 10. Okay. I originally, I gave it a six, but I originally gave it a four until someone in my chat pointed out that you can use it twice in a row. You can exit skeleton walk, cast it again, and hit again. So you can spawn four skeletons instantly when you jump people. That's true. Uh, which yeah. is really serious damage. Um, it's basically almost like having a secondary ultimate when you start the fight. Uh, if not for that, I would have given it a four, but that bumped it up to a six for me. Okay. So, Interesting. Yeah. All right, next we have Zedark Willow, who was just nerfed today. Uh, Agnum Scepter yeah. for her. Attacking no longer takes you out of Shadow Realm. Each attack still has bonus damage based on the duration of the buff. So you just keep attacking and you don't leave it. What did they nerf today? Yeah. They nerfed Willow's base attack time, and they nerfed the attack speed from the 25 talent from 200 to 175. And the base attack time went from 1.3 to 1.5, which is a okay. big Okay, so can I lower my rating based on that? Yes, you can. So I had her at a a 9. I'm going to put her at 8 now yeah. based on the I'm nerfs. actually going to do... I'm going to do the same, but I just bumped it from 10 to 9. It was a 10 before. This Ags was insane. A 10? How could it be... Yeah. Okay. And I, okay. I mean, like, basically... In my list out of the 18 heroes, I have I had three tens. Okay, Brood was one of them, and Willow was the second one. Mm -hmm. uh, just because, like, I have to... It's not as good as the Brood one, okay, because that's insane. But it's still so fucking good that it still receives a top score. Uh, okay. But, Fair yeah, enough. now it's down to a nine based on the nerf. That's probably what I'm All right. Death Prophet. When she gets an Aghanim Scepter, anytime an enemy is affected by her spells, whether it be Crypt Swarm, Silence or Spirit Siphon, or when you simply attack an enemy, a ghost will fly out and hit the enemy for double the usual damage, which I think comes out to like 128 physical damage, and then returns to you... Three LT, I think, yes. And then returns to you with life. These ghosts apply a 100% slow for 0.3 seconds. So that slow is a little bit delayed, because it has to come back, uh, or has to come... Looks the the like, ghost has oh, to wait. come from her to the I'm enemy to slow. Here. Let me just yes. quickly correct myself. Exorcism does 58 damage on all levels. So it's 116. 116. Uh, okay. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what level of ult you have. You just get more ghosts, but they hit for the same damage. So, so I actually saw this in a pro game today. They lost, mm -hmm. but it did look quite good. Okay, I'm not going to lie. When I first read this, I thought it was absolute garbage. Mm -hmm. I thought it was so bad. But I put it at an 8 out of 10, but 
I think it might be a nine based on everyone's reaction and the fact that uh, it, it really does fit the hero quite well. Like she healed a lot in the game. Of course, a small sample size, but I'll, I'll say eight just to be yeah. conservative. I put it, I put it on a seven, um, largely based on uncertainty. Like it, it looks like it can be very good, but at the same time, uh, it is also inherently, you know, it is, it is uh, healing based and it is a lot of spell casting based. And compared to a lot of other heroes, I think, um, I think for this Ags to be very effective needs slightly more uh, good conditions in a fight than, for example, the Broodmother one just seems like it will always be insane, right? Uh, the Dark Willow one will almost always be really, really good. Whereas this Death Prophet one, it seems like, you know, in some kind of fights, it might not be that great. And in other fights, it's amazing. But it's so, like a careful seven. It might be higher, actually. So the thing that I didn't, I don't know why I never popped in but my it's head. Good. But it's good. It is definitely I, good. I didn't realize this until the game I saw today. But when you hit a tower, it hits the tower. So okay. I'm it, thinking. Does it lifesteal as well? I, well? I don't know about that. Off the tower, I'm I guess not sure. it does. It should, it should, yeah, because usual exorcism also heals when it hits towers, right? I think so. But the thing I was thinking is now, this isn't like that unusual of an item on DP, like you don't see it that often, but it wouldn't be like crazy mm -hmm. to see it. I'm thinking assault curos is actually fucking insane because attack speed now, because you want the armor True. once you get some HP, the, the attack speed actually makes a huge. Let's say your ult is down, you can mm -hmm. still. Like, poke at their base. Like, you're not useless anymore. Well, I'm not saying she was useless, but, you know, huge part of her ability being down, or her ult being down means that she's... You're going back to base. You have to get uh -huh. either a refresher or you have to wait out the cooldown. But now you can still poke the base and does considerable amount of damage. So I think it's... That aspect should not be lost. Uh, I mean, obviously, the minus armor cool. aura is super good for her ulti as well, right? So Yeah, for us all curious, yeah. So, yeah, all right. it's, it's a good item. It's been bought in the past, too. Uh, but generally, people would prioritize Shiva, and you might see that shift. That's a fair point. If you have Ags, maybe I'd like Kyrus to see is better. It. A lot of times. Yeah. All right, Dragon. Especially because long... you, this, yeah, the slow Go of ahead. Shiva is not that important when you get the slow of the Ghost, right? It also performs that role. Plus, if you get the Exorcism Haste at twenty-five, which is yeah, very then calm. you're just super fast anyway. Yeah. Uh, the long-awaited Dragon Knight Agonim Scepter. I have been God Almighty. I I can't tell you how many times I brought this up in cast in the past, Cinderin. Uh, yeah. By the way, I, I guess I should mention this. We, we've, you know, we have a lot of back and forth on what's what would be a good item. Just thinking of cool ideas. I have brought this specific Aghanim Scepter idea to multiple people, including you, in years past. Which the idea was, which is in our mod right now. If DK gets Ags, it's just permanent dragon form. It doesn't change anything yeah. else. Just permanent. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, seventy to eighty percent of the people. Easily, vast majority thought it was horrible. It would actually be bad. Nobody would buy it. The other twenty percent oh, thought it, would it be wasn't. Bad. Yeah, and the other twenty percent didn't think uh, that. Uh, they thought it was op. Yeah, I will tell I'm you now. That would be insane. It's fucking op. <laughs> In the pod, <laughs> it's it's op. So that is not what we get today. Instead, Dragon Knight, which is funny that the idea from pretty much everybody has brought up. I feel like the Black Dragon has come mm -hmm. to fruition. When you get Agnum Scepter on Dragonite, adds a fourth level to Elder Dragon form, a black dragon. Gaining Scepter increases the level of your ultimate by one. So if you get it at one, you get the cleave. You get becoming level two dragon, which is great. Uh, although if you're getting Ags uh, before level 12, that's, that seems a little fast. Black dragon has 50% more corrosive damage, splash damage, and slow amount. It also increases your range to 600 and grants you 30% magic resistance. Uh, just an FYI, the attack range... 
it goes from 500 to 600. So you gain 100 yeah. by getting yep. this. What? This one, oh my God. So the problem I have with Dragon Knight, and this doesn't fix him, which is fine, is when his ult is down, he's almost useless. It's worse than DP, like way worse when his mm -hmm. ult is down. Yeah. That's why I cannot he give less, this. He like, has less downtime though. He has true. clearly less downtime than her. But you're never going to get items that lower your cooldowns. You're never going to get the uh, uh, Octarine core like DP would. Mm. Um, but anyway, this one i very cautious, but I still gave a very high rating of 8. I feel like maybe that's yeah. a, it's, it's quite good, though. What do you think? I gave it an 8, too. Good job. For the first time so far. How the many slow... heroes was that? Number 6, we agree. <laughs> we agree on number 6. Ridiculous. <laughs> the slow is yeah. insane. So if you can like tier the individual things the eggs does, uh, the corrosive extra damage is like a two out of ten. That's pretty meh. It's like ten extra damage. It's super irrelevant for almost all of the situations you get into. It helps you push a little bit faster. But uh, the splash is pretty solid. It's like uh, the splash and the slow together are like maybe an eight out of ten. The range is okay. It helps a little bit in some situations, maybe a five. And then the magic resistance, depending on what game you get it in, has a lot of potential. Yeah, I think in the perfect game, this Dragonite Axe is like a 9 or a 10, but there will also be games where that aspect of it just isn't important and doesn't help mm. that much. Yeah. Um, and so I think the potential of the item really depends on uh, type of game. Uh, but yeah, it's the stuff that it gives is really good. So 8 out of 10. Ember Spirit added Aghanim Scepter. Fire Remnant cast range three times longer, and initial Remnant movement speed is two times faster. Max number of charges increase from three to five, and the Activate Fire Remnant spell costs zero mana. Okay, Cinderin, uh, you said you had three tens. Well, this is my solo, my one ten. Ten yep. out of ten. Ten out of ten. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. This I put it as my read. This is my last ten. Spoiler. Ah. This is my last ten on the list. Mine Actually, no, too. I do have one. I have I have one more. I have one more. But we'll Lucky get there. You have one more. Oh my uh, god. Yeah. What could it um, be? But yeah. Fire Fire Remnant is like when you test this out, it's there's it's, so much luxury in this item. It's it feels so good to just play around with it. You have insane possibility to move around the map and join plays while farming and split pushing. Like I think the biggest limitation on this Aghanims is actually the player, like getting used to using this effectively and being smart about it. Because the limit, like it's almost limitless power, right? You have five remnants. If you get limitless the remnant cooldown, power. unlimited power is what it is. Uh, if you get the level 25 talent with charge restore time as well, uh, late game Ember has so sick mobility, extremely high damage output. Uh, yeah, even if you slow him, you know, there are situations in the game where Ember gets caught by a slow and has to throw out a remnant and escape, and then he's fucking slow. But when you have Ags, I tried demonic purging Ember and then throwing out a remnant. It still travels pretty fast. Like, two seconds later, you're out of there. Yeah. Um, so this it's is insane. extremely good, in theory, at least. Uh, the only limiting factor for this is how good is the item to buy on the hero. But since we're not considering that, it's a 10 out of 10. Correct. Okay, Grimstroke, added scepter upgrade, grants you a new ability, Dark Portrait, creates an ink illusion of a target enemy hero. Yep. The illusion lasts 20 seconds, and well, well there's a, been a change, but we'll read the original one. Illusion yep. lasts 20 seconds and is magic immune with 30% movement speed, takes 200% incoming damage, and deals 150% outgoing damage. Cool it does not have 30% movement speed, it has 130% movement speed. It's 30% movement speed increase. Oh, sorry. Right? Plus 30% yeah. movement speed. Yes. Yeah. So what was changed yep. today? Let's see. 
it takes 350% ingoing damage instead of 200, yeah. and it lasts 15 seconds instead of 20. Okay. And this affected my rating, but I'll hear yours first. Uh, so this one, when I first read it, I thought it was the best one, honestly. Mm -hmm. That was my first reaction. It is really uh, good. <laughs> I will say the nerf, I'm not going to change my rating based on the nerf, but I will say 8 out of 10, and the only reason it's not higher is because I think it's still partially dependent on the game you're in. It's not going to be good yes. on some in some games. Exactly. Yeah. Like some I heroes, had it, on it nine. doesn't matter. I had it right. on 9, and then I bumped it down to 8 because of the nerfs. And okay. the two limiting factors of this are, number one, you can't cast it on magic immune enemies. So uh, if an enemy hero, even if you soul bind him and he's BKB'd, you don't get the clone, you can't cast it on him. Uh, and the other thing is exactly what you said. Like, it's based on matchups. In some games, this will be flat out just game winning, like making an illusion of a Radiant Spectre, for example, that is magic immune and 30% movement increase yeah, is pretty absurd. absurd. It will even have the desolate, right? It's extremely strong. And in another game, the enemy cores are just not, don't create good illusions, but then you just can choose not to buy it, right? Like that's, yeah. the, that's the thing. So eight out of 10, I think is, is okay. fair. That's where I put it to. Io, who was also added to captain's mode. Added Scepter Upgrade. Spirits now passively spawn around you constantly every second. Max of five spirits at a given time, which I believe is the normal max, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. Uh, this one's pretty god-awful. Um, and it, this, it's really difficult to rate it because, um, like, how low do you go? <laughs> because at the same, like, if you have Ags on this hero, let's say it's just given to you, it's mm -hmm. not like it's detrimental, I don't think. It gives you like some. It gives you a constant stream of damage. You can constantly farm. Um, I gave it a three out of ten. Okay. So originally, I think I had this on a two or something. And then I played with it in a game and with a guy who plays a lot of wisdom. And I asked him, and he said he thinks it's really good. And then it got me thinking a bit. Really. If you crunch the numbers on this, so level four spirits is a twenty second cooldown, which means you get one spirit per four seconds, right? Mm-hmm. Basically, what this AGS does is it makes your spirits spawn four times faster than because they they spawn once per second, correct? I, do I look like I play Isle? I, I, no, but it said, <laughs> didn't you just read it out? Didn't it say it spawns one per second? Oh, yeah. In the every second. Do you yeah. think I can read, Cinder? <laughs> every second it spawns one. So basically, if you want to crunch it, it, it fucking quadruples the damage of your spirits. That's what it does. Okay. And this matters a lot in team fights because when they're constantly cycling, if the fight is long, Wisp deals so much damage. Hmm. You have a talent on level 15 that gives 75 spirits hero damage, which means every one of these hits for 155 in an explosion. It's actually really good. And I'm starting to okay. question my second thought, which was I gave it a 5. And now that I think about it, honestly, it might be even better. Uh, it might be even better wow. than that. My original was two. I bumped it up to five, and now I'm thinking if that's even fair because honestly, it is really good. It mm. actually is really good. And the only thing that makes it weak is that if people get on top of you, it offers like almost no value. And if they have BKBs, it does nothing, right? But in extended fights, it's really fucking good. So mm. you know what? I'm going to change it to a six, and then we'll say it's game game dependent what your opponents have in Heroes. Okay. But it, it is wow. actually pretty That good. is enlightening to me. I'm glad to hear it. But yeah, like my initial thought was also, this is terrible, but uh, I'm not so sure anymore. Right, well, I'm interested to see if you can find a reason to like this next one. Lycan, Aghanim Scepter Upgrade, causes one of the three creep waves to include two wolves. You cannot control the wolves, but they are considered your units. These wolves have the same movement speed as lane creeps, and I believe that they were changed Buffed a bit today. today. 
Uh, let me find they it. They give half bounty, I think. And okay, they so, are affected yeah. by shapeshift. Gotcha. That doesn't change my rating of a one out of ten. <laughs> you see, I said I didn't have any more tens in my list, right? Yeah. This is my last one. It gets a minus ten from me. <laughs> I was wondering. I was like, what could this, be the ten? <laughs> this eggs in my head. It is so bad. Really bad. I, I mean this with this buff it's still what I, if it I gave it, okay? zero bounty and experience zero bounty no. zero experience no so here comes here comes rng hater syndrome again okay are you ready yeah. it's random lane that's a really big problem mm. you can't like it's hard to use this constructively in the game because it's every 30 seconds but you don't know where it's going to be so you can't like strategically use this to your advantage because you can't plan ahead you can't be like, oh, we're going to get wolves in 30 seconds, and then we're going to push this lane, and they will push the other. Because they might just push the useless lane that you don't want them to go to. You can't like rely on it in the game. If you're unlucky, it will push the same lane three or four times in a row, and it's the lane that the enemy has big creeps in, so it just does nothing. Right. They just push the wolves back, and then what did you buy it for, right? Um, if you could choose the lane, or if it was all lanes, and then they gave full bounty, it would I mean, be a, a different story. Like a dialogue box strong. pops up with Gaben's face. Which lane would you choose? I mean, you could you One could imagine three. that you could give it like a, a toggle or something with autocast being lane two and then not autocast <laughs> as lane one. And then what if it went I mean, to I the lane know. that you're in or the lane that you're closest to? Uh, that's also interesting because then you can, again, it gives then, away where you your hero man- is. Yeah, but it can manipulate it to your advantage. I would think it's better then. It's probably still bad, but it would be better. Okay. Um, but yeah, one out of 10, minus 10 out of 10. But All right, one. excellent. So we've agreed on quite a few, actually. I do believe that streak will end here with we'll Mars, see. who was also added to Captain's Mode. His Scepter upgrade, uh, God's Rebuke cooldown is now 1.4 seconds during Arena of Blood. Resets God's Rebuke cooldown when Arena of Blood is cast. So you can cast it, use your ult, it's off cooldown, and then it has the 1.4 second cooldown. Yeah. Oh, I boy. demoed this to make sure uh, <clears throat> it does not matter where you are relative to the Arena. As long as the arena is on the ground, you can cast this anywhere on the map, and it has 1.4 second cooldown. It's about whether the arena's up or not. Where where else would you be if you're Mars? In, maybe the cooldown was only 1.4 if you're inside the arena when you use it. But oh, it's, I see. Okay. Because sometimes you cast arena and you end up chasing heroes outside, right? And it makes a pretty so, big difference. In some I situation. know you're a big Mars fan, so I think we're going to disagree on this. But I, I think the biggest issue I have with this is that the Aghanim Scepter... It only does something when you use your ult. That's why I don't like this upgrade. It's mm-hmm. very contingent on that specific thing. It's not like you're not going to cast your ult, but... It's a low cooldown ulti. 60 seconds low. It thing. is a low cooldown ulti, but I just don't like the fact that it's not a... It's. I still wouldn't consider that consistent. Like I'm Usually when mm-hmm. you get ags, like DPs, literally like everything you're doing, something yeah. happens with your ag. There's interaction. For this one, there's not... And I was scared to make this too low, so I made okay. it a 6 out of 10. Okay. And my, I, I feel like maybe I need to make it a 5. Uh, I gave it an 8. Oh. Um, oh. I demoed it, oh. I demoed it, and I saw what it could do. Uh, but it's an 8 under could the condition do. that, how to say, this is a, a bit more situational than the other agonims, just because I think this is not that good unless you buy it after specific other items, at which point it's really good. I think mm-hmm. this is not really worth it unless you have a damage build, but if you have a damage build, it's insane. This is super strong with Desolator. 
for example, if you have that in your build. So I consider this an excellent third or fourth item on the hero. I love going Vlad's Deso or Vlad's Dagger or Vlad's BKB. And then if Deso is one of the items you get on the way here, this Ags is really strong. Because the amount of damage you do during this arena, a level 3 arena is 7 second duration, you can get 5 rebukes off. And they each do 800 fucking damage. This is no so joke. Have you it's tried really, this really strong. in an actual game? I have not tried it in the game. I've only tried it in demo. But uh, <laughs> there's a secondary benefit to this with the hero as well. Mars is actually a hero that has mana problems. And hmm. uh, I reached the problem in late game that I couldn't really replace my soul ring. I ended up buying Hex as my sixth item because I needed a constant flow of mana. Uh, but the mana on the Aghanims is actually very welcome on this hero. Um, and it, it, you, would, you would think, oh man, since the hero has mana problems, you give his spell that has 80 mana cost a 1.4 second cooldown, can you actually sustain it? You can, because the Ags gives mana in itself. You have enough mana to cast all your shit during the fight and do a lot of damage. So Okay, um, fair enough. I, I think this is really good, actually. I um, We will agree to disagree on this. And I'm you more still than willing to be wrong. That's, that's still decent. It's I not mean. trashed here, but I, I feel like yeah. it's... Yeah, it is what it is. This one, I'm very, very interested to see what you think. Monkey King. Yeah. Uh, spawns a monkey soldier near you every 3.5 seconds. These soldiers last 12 seconds. Soldiers do not spawn if you are invisible or on trees. These soldiers can attack any target. However, they will not attack buildings if you're not within 500 range of them. This one's really weird. The first thing I thought it was absolute garbage. Um, and I, I actually saw it in a pro game today. It was... Yeah. Mushi bought it, in fact. It was really bad in that game, like beyond like game-losing bad. So that makes me question mm. my rating. I still gave it a 6 out of 10, mainly based on the fact like I, I don't want to criticize Mushi, but I don't think you get that second item. This is like a 6th or 7th item once you have mm -hmm. a shit ton of damage and your, your little monkeys actually deal a lot of damage. Uh, it's probably a feels good item to buy just because... Oh, let me get my rating first, actually, sure. and then I'll talk about it. Uh, so originally, I gave this a 1 out of 10 uh, wow! when I looked at it. When I looked at it originally, I was like, this is so bad, okay? Mm. And then I thought, oh, it can hit towers and Roche. So then I put it up to a 3. That's why I have it right now. And I'm, I'm really uncertain about this item. That's the thing. Like, it was really hard for me to place because I talked to a couple of people about it and they said, well, the fact that it doesn't use itself when you're in a tree means that when you jump down, it instantly spawns a monkey when you jump into a fight, which right. can be pretty useful if they if you have the right items um, to build, uh, build up with it. But it's just... To me, this hero is, is like... It has two versions of fights, okay? Monkey King has two types of fights. He has one where he stands still on his ring and is not so mobile because the fight happens around his ring. And then he has the ones where he's like running after people and chasing them. And it feels like in either of those fights, this isn't that good. Because the really static one, you have a fuckload of monkeys already and people run away from you. And the other one, you're chasing them. So they're constantly outranging your monkeys all the time. Like they get to hit once maybe. Mm -hmm. And then they're out of the range of the monkey. So that's why I feel like it's the objective part of this that's really good. Where you can kill Roche and you can kill Towers. And what I think the reason is Mushi bought its second item is that in theory it should be a pretty good farming item, right? When you're farming jungle, it's the monkeys not... spawn, they keep they help killing creeps. Uh, but when you don't have damage don't to begin that. with, it's not helpful, I feel like. I'm I'm just I'm just not sold on this. And I know people are buying it and experimenting with it, but I feel like when Monkey King wins fights, it will never be because of the agonims, it will be despite having the agonims. So like you always so... need to hold it up against you could buy something else for forty two hundred gold. Right. You or could buy a could fucking damage item. You could almost buy a full Scotty. It could be free, this. though. 
So. Yeah, if it gets gifted. Yeah, I mean, that's right. We did not want to take that into account how good it feels to buy it on the hero. But the effect itself, I agree. It's a late game item. But we'll see if the pros agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't feel very strongly uh, about my rating because I just, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'm just not sure. I can see it. Yeah. I look at it as like just the way that it increases your overall damage. But it's not always mm-hmm. consistent. That's kind of the issue. And that's kind of the same thing I said about Mars. So I just gave it yeah. kind of the same rating. Anyway. Cool. Pangolier, my favorite hero. Not even... I shouldn't say that. Centaur is my favorite hero, but not really. Pangolier is <laughs> the most fun hero to play in the game by far. Has an Aghanim Scepter now. Shield Crash now casts a two-attack swashbuckle every 90 degrees around your hero. Oh, my God. I'm so biased, Cinderin. This sounds... And then- <sighs> The ninety yes. degrees. Let's just let's just make sure we agree on this. The ninety degrees are based on your facing, right? So one yes. out of your front, one out of your butt, and then two out of your fat on your sides, right? That's correct. It makes a square okay. essentially. Yes. And okay. the fact that you have a turn rate of one is amazing. Obviously, that's kind of the whole hero in a nutshell. Obviously, not when you're in your ultimate. That's completely different. Uh, I thought this was maybe like a five or a six, but I gave it a seven out of ten. Uh. Now this isn't this doesn't go in part of my rating. The fact that Ags on that hero, the item itself would make a lot of sense. I feel like, but mm-hmm. that didn't go into my rating. The reason I gave it a seven out of ten, it is difficult to aim. I feel like, but if you're a good player, you could probably do a pretty serviceable job. But when you get that level fifteen talent of Shield Crash two second cooldown, dude, that is a shit ton of damage. There's no way I mean, that's you, not you good will... on some level. Those you things know. are going to overlap, right? You will not get the eggs before you're level 15, realistically. Exactly. So that will be a given for the item, right? That yeah. you have that talent. That's almost like it's part of the item, yeah. yeah. So I gave it a 7 out of 10. I'm not 100% sure about this. I know the problem with this rating, right, is I'm a little bit biased because I play this hero super DPS, like Glass Cannon, and I know most people play yeah. it like Utility, Greaves. Probably doesn't make sense. It's not very good on that one. But I still gave it a 7 I, out of 10. I gave it a 5, uh because I find the the effect sounds interesting, but it just how to say like I wanna I wanna like just it boils down to potential for me. Like what are the chances that you find a fight where this is very impactful? Like you need to be facing the correct way. The enemies need to be positioned in a specific way so that I don't think this is valuable if you just get one swashbuckle or like if you hit one hero when you jump. Okay. It's like it's nice, but it's not amazing. Especially mm. now that Swashbuckle can't proc silence anymore, but only procs the disarm and minus armor. Uh, plenty of heroes don't really care as much about being swashbuckled anymore. If it was the old one, it would be a different story. I would rate it much higher because then the silence would be really strong in team fights. But if you're a backline support, you get hit by a little swashbuckle. Like you don't really care. You know, it's a, it's some extra damage, but it doesn't ruin your fight. Um, so for this to be really good, the fight needs to take it needs to take place in a specific arena where you hit multiple heroes very well. And on top of this, you do the DPS build. I'm sure you love Maelstrom. Mm-hmm. Maelstrom has an internal cooldown of 0.2 seconds. So it can't proc more than once anyway when these swashbuckles come out. You can only get one lightning out of it. If that was limitless, it would be a different story as well. So I gave it a five for that. So um, I, I have a prediction. Yeah. I could be totally wrong. It's happened many a time. I mm. feel like because of this item, eventually it will get to a point where we stop, we, we see less of the utility pango and more DPS. Because it I feel happen. like when you get that happen. 15 talent and you get that Ags, typically when you're doing that without the Ags before this patch, you're there for CC. That's all you're there for. And it kind of feels bad knowing that your swashbuckle deals so much damage, but like I need to be the CC for my team, but I mm, can't swashbuckle true. until it's ended. 
Now it's you get both, about. right? Yeah. In team fights, this yeah. is not just CC now. It does a sh like if it if you're in an actual team fight, the chances are pretty good you're gonna hit these a couple of these swashbuckles with that talent. I feel like your DPS Probably. is gonna go through the roof. So I really but like this item. The, the big difference again for me is that the swashbuckle itself is four hits instead of two, and you are in control of you know who you want to target. Right. The reason swashbuckle is generally really strong is that it is the difference maker between whether you get a kill or not. And, you know, you can almost guarantee proc a disarm. And with this, it's just like, you know, you don't, it's, it just doesn't feel guaranteed, right? And in a lot of situations, maybe you're going to have to choose between, do I want to hit the guy with my ball or do I want to hit them with the disarm, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can't hit with both, can you? I don't think it's possible to, oh, I guess you if mean? you roll through them and jump right when you're on the inside, you hit with one of them, I guess. Wait, say that again? So it's like a little bit extra. If you roll into a hero... Mm. And when you collide with them, so they get the knockback, if you jump then, I guess the front swashbuckle will hit them on the way when they get knocked back, right? So you can hit them with one during that. But yeah. if you jump on top of them, yeah, maybe you can also hit them I mean, if you jump on top of them. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You're probably not, this I'm is not, not saying, my hero, okay? I'm not an expert. You're not so going to be hitting I'm, multiple like, heroes with the same swashbuckle with this Ags, but you're getting free swashbuckles right. repeatedly. Yes. I feel like And that, then it's about, no is that bad. worth 4.2k gold instead of another item, right? Right, um, exactly. Okay. Okay. Moving on, Phantom Assassin. Blur now has instant cast time and applies a dispel. Anytime you get a hero kill, your abilities are refreshed. Reduces blur cooldown to 12 seconds. What's Is it the cooldown 40 normally? I can't remember. I think so. Let me check. It's a pretty no. drastic 45. Uh, cooldown reduction. 45 to 12. So yeah, this one was actually one of the harder ones for me to rate because... Yep. I actually feel like the one that's the the aspect that's most overrated about this is the refreshing of abilities because the abilities are such low cooldown to begin with. That is yep. out of the three aspects of this, it's the least uh, consistent and I think the least. But beneficial it also refreshes one. the cooldown of blur itself, right? That's true. It does refresh the. So that's a twelve second cooldown that gets refreshed, right? So yeah. the dispel yeah. I think is great, uh, and obviously yeah. the cooldown is huge. I, I still gave this a six because I'm just not sure. I'm very unsure about this one. I gave it a six. I gave it a seven. And again, this is from the perspective of how good it is. Uh, if this was about buying it on the hero, I would give it like a one or a two. Because you wouldn't buy this. This is a seventh item, okay? Uh, but the effect itself is actually pretty strong. And I think one thing you overlooked is the instant blur. When it comes to really high-skilled gameplay, being able to mm -hmm. disjoint or avoid like spells that come out... if. If you remember when PA got the, the blur changed, the original version of the blur when that came out was instant. And it was so insane in teamfights how PAs could just, you know, dodge shit when they jumped in right. uh, and play around it. So in a, in a very controlled environment with, with very individually skilled players playing this hero, that part of it is really big. Especially if you get the value out of doing it twice in the fight. So you get one blur dodge, you get a kill, and then you have blur again. Um, so it's a seven for potential, That's basically, true. and I, I agree. The, the smallest I forgot part of that this it refreshed is, blur itself as well, which is funny. The, the yeah. smallest part of this is the cooldown on the dagger and the blink strike. I think that's relatively irrelevant uh, yeah. compared to the other things. But yeah, seven out of okay. ten. Slardar, also known as Sladar, Slytherine Crush, now creates a puddle of water that is considered a river for bonuses. Provides twenty-five HP man. regen, twelve armor and 40% status resistance while in a puddle or river, in addition to the normal yep. Guardian Sprint River bonuses. Puddle AoE is 550, which, if you don't know, is huge, and it lasts for 25 seconds. Yep. Whew. This one, 
I gave an eight out of ten. Yeah. I think it's really good. It's really good. I gave it an eight as well. Very good. Um, Excellent. I think. I think something that's really valuable about this Aghanims on Slardar is that it actually enables you to not buy BKB. Because I think this is a, a really good BKB replacement, 40% status reduction, and then the extreme tankiness you get means that if you have a dagger and this Ags and you open the fight, you are so hard to kill when you go first with all this extra armor and regen and the status resistance that you can probably build Slardar differently uh, in the mid-game utility department and bypass BKB. And that is a big part of value in itself that it can it can do that um and the effects obviously the 550 aoe on an eight second cooldown uh, if the enemy is pushing your base you can pre pre-make puddles since they last three times as long as the cooldown so kind of similar to how uh venomancer would set up plague wards or whatever when the enemy is about to push you prepare puddles and then you're really strong in defense uh, prepare your Roche. puddles Roshan fights and stuff. Uh, you can you can prepare yeah, if the enemy team is going to contest. The so. Roche fights. It's pretty good. I mean, the fact that you're just in the river to begin. Wait, Roche itself yeah, isn't the river. The though, pit right? is not in the river. I think, but yeah. everything around it is. So yeah, yeah you're really strong and naturally around Roche as well. It's we should also good. mention the twenty. Did you mention this? The twenty-five talent was changed to be a minus four point five oh, second true. slithering cush cooldown. So that makes it a three point five cooldown. I think. I would probably still take the corrosive one over it though. That talent yeah. is very good uh late game people buy lotus orbs they buy uh mm. bkb's mantas all these kind of items against slardar and this is his like trump card that just says fuck you i'm killing you in three hits regardless of what you have so i think corrosive i would almost never take the uh, second talent even though it sounds really good on paper mm -hmm. you have to remember the crush is a one second stun not true. like a good stun like other ones so yep, yeah that's true all right, Spectre got some love. Grants a new ability for her name, Shadow Step. Allow, which is that a is that an artifact card? I don't remember. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds familiar. like a Shadow Step. It's a card in Hearthstone. Oh yeah, maybe it's, it's, the, it's a rogue card. I think. Okay, it allows you to perform a single target unit haunt. Cooldown seventy mana cost one eighty. This one probably in the lower of the tiers, considering how good a lot of these acts have been. I gave it a very average five out of ten. It's great for killing yeah. support, but it it's not I don't think it's game breaking, you know, just very average, I think. I gave this one a five as well, but I don't remember if it was I don't fucking know five or <laughs> an actual five. But so it, the thing to keep in mind is you have to have vision to use it. You can't it's not like regular haunt. Oh you need to target yeah, you need to target it's single the hero. target. Oh, yeah. that is so true. Wow, that makes it a lot worse. I mean it is global cast range at least, right? Yes, but so you can okay. haunt and then use this again. So you have two illusions, which <clears throat> if you get that talent that does, is it like 140% illusion damage or whatever it is, the Spectre 25 talent? Yeah, 40% like, extra. You're going to kill somebody with those two illusions if you want to go that route. Yeah. That's definitely that aspect. But. It's still, it, it's still, it just doesn't feel, it doesn't sound great. Uh, yeah, I agree. But obviously it's a really nice seventh item, right? But that's not what we're talking here because obviously it just, it amplifies Spectre even more in the late game. But yeah, yeah let's give it a five. Okay. TA grants a new ability, Psionic Projection. Allows you to teleport to any Psionic Trap after a two-second channel. Does not break meld, so you can do it invisibly. Cooldown 30, mana cost 100, and detonates the Psionic Trap on arrival. Yeah. When I first saw this, I actually thought it was really good, and then I thought about it some more and tested it out, and it feels like one of those late-game shenanigan yes. items. Like, it's very cheesy, 
So as a result, I don't think it's good. So because it's not good, I gave it a three out of ten. Okay, uh, I put this on five, uh, and this was—I don't think this was a random five when I put it. It's more. You haven't like had one random of, five yet, by the way. Just <laughs> uh, the spec, the Spectre one. I think. I mean, maybe I just. Maybe it was what I did on my stream, and when I did this list, I gave extra five. Honestly, I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Um, I think, so in terms of potential, when it gets to late game and things get a bit like uh, more about like, you know, keeping the wave control very well, and then somebody has to go back and defend a creep wave and push it out, uh, there is potential if you have pushed the enemy map side to pre-place traps so that when they come back to push out waves and then reset and rejoin their team, you have a moment of opportunity to actually channel yourself, channel yourself onto the trap, get the jump with a melted bash from level 25 and actually one shot or, you know, kill a hero on the opposite side of the map of where they think you are. Mm -hmm. um, I think the biggest strength of this Ags is the uncertainty. It's like playing against techies, you don't know where you're safe. I think that is what makes it a five out of ten is that mind games. Uh, mm. It's the mind games, really. It's about you don't really know where on the map TA isn't. Okay, uh, even seeing TA farming a creep camp means she could literally be on top of you two seconds later and stunning and killing you. Uh, and that potential is really good. But at the same time, in very coordinated play and in team fight structures, this is almost totally useless in team fights. Like. It's yeah. a two-second channel, which means it can be interrupted, and it also means while it's channeling, you can't attack, right? Like it's a you're committed to the channeling act. It's not like relocate where it channels and then you can uh, do something else, right? I think so. Um, if that is how it works, I definitely keep it as a five at least. But okay, that's what I think. Yeah. All right, second to last one, Terror Blade. After casting Metamorphosis, a wave travels outwards in all directions, causing enemy heroes to become feared for three seconds upon impact. Wave so it's like starts... the deafening, AOE deafening blast, right? Yes. Wave... Wait, what? It's like Sonic... It's like Queen of Pain's scream. Well, it's in all directions, so it's like the old oh, AOE all de in that way. blast, right? Okay, sure. Uh, wave starts traveling after 0.6 seconds and has a travel speed of 1,000, which is very fast. Uh, spell immune units do not get hit by the wave and has a... I don't know why they had to mention this. has a global sound effect, apparently. Uh, this is reminds me a lot of a hero in Han called Malakin, actually. had a similar thing. Um... So, and by the way, in case people are wondering, I tested this out. The ring around the hero is based off where you cast it, not the hero itself. So you can't use it in and a And the blink. radius is 1,600. Did it say that? It's, okay, that wasn't, It says yeah, that in the huge. game only. I just tested it. It's huge. I thought it, was, I thought it was global from the text, actually. But it's not. But no, only the sound effect is global. So I, yeah. this one's interesting because the effect is really strong if that's what you want. But do you want that consistently? I don't know. It's really good for killing buildings because everyone's going to run away. That's really good. But at the same time, you're not hitting anybody. I'm a little bit unsure about this one. I gave it a, a three as well. Actually, let's make it a four now that I say that out okay. loud. Probably a four. I gave it a, a two. A little bit under average. I think it's, I think it's pretty bad. Uh, this is the lowest rating I'm going to give except Lycan. Uh, Lycan two. takes the dumpster tier, but this is okay. pretty bad. Yeah. Um, for a couple of reasons. First of all, you need to think about the, again, potential, right? How do you use metamorphosis as a skill? Terrorblade generally wants to precast this before he joins the fight so that he doesn't get caught and lose a lot of his potential before he's in meta form, right? You want to use meta and then manta style and start laying into shit mm. uh, before the fight, like right before the fight begins. And if people know you have agonims and you cast this, they can prepare. They know, okay, he's going to transform and now the wave is coming. So you can either dodge it you can run away and not get hit by it, or you can get knocked back. And the duration of the wave itself is pretty short. Like, 
the fear duration is three seconds, but the wave travels out in a second and a half, right? The travel time was 1K, you said? That's 1,000 yes. move speed. And the radius is 1,600. So if you're away from it for one and a half seconds, that ring is gone. And then you can go in. Um, I think in order for this Aghanims to be good, you need to have a, probably like a dagger. So you can blink on top of the enemy heroes and then use meta. But then you have a dagger and an axe. Like, <laughs> do you think Terrorblade <laughs> wants that? Scary. I don't think so. You want, you want stats on this hero. You want to hit fucking hard and strong. So... It's just like it okay, gets one point just for the potential of casting it in a clutch moment where you fear an enemy core or something, but that's it. Like that's the only thing this one has in the Lycan one. I think it's pretty bad. I mean, if you think about it, this is three second fear. What is uh Dark Willow? Is that a four second fear? Uh um, that's an ultimate ability. Well, one of her two ultimate yeah, four abilities. Four seconds. Four, yeah. So you're getting close to an ultimate ability as an I mean, I, I agree with most of your points though. It's kind of meh. It's just yeah. Again, Will it hit, right? Yeah. And will you use it that way? It's All right. So last one that we'll talk about today is Troll Warlord. Uh, <laughs> when you get Ags with him, reduces battle trance cooldown to 35 seconds and allows it to be cast on allied or enemy heroes. Last half duration on enemies. Cast range 525. I think we might disagree heavily on this one, by the way. Can I can I just preface this with this is the perfect griefing tool when you're playing with friends? <laughs> okay, this is so fucking no, that's true. good. Can you there still will disable be clips that, with this. Can, I don't know if it, you can remove it with disable help. If you can't, this is fucking hilarious. Like, <laughs> all right, you're so playing there's... a party game. And you <laughs> 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 fuck yeah. over your teammates with battle trends. This is great right. for sure. So, I mean, it really is a trolling axe, right? It's so fitting that sure. troll has an axe that can be used for trolling. Maybe all right. thought about that. I don't know. This one was interesting. There's three aspects to it. So, there's being able to cast it on allies, enemies, and then the cooldown reduction. Yeah. So casting it on enemies, I'm trying to think of a scenario where you would want that, and it's very difficult. So I think that aspect is you might. I'm sure you have something to say about it, but mm -hmm. I, based on my thinking, which is not very much, I think that aspect is garbage. I think it's almost useless. I'm sure there may be like a fringe scenario, maybe I don't know. Casting on allies can be actually obviously trolly, but it can be amazing to save them because you can't die during troll ult. So I, I'd give that one, it's pretty decent, but at the same time, your troll warlord, you're not a troll warlord support. So that doesn't make sense, yeah, really. Then you don't have it for yourself. But the last yeah. aspect, which is by far the best, this is a 90 second cooldown cut to 35 seconds, which is insane. I gave it a seven out of 10, just based on that fact alone. Yeah. Um, I gave it a five and this, I, let's again say this is a real five. Um, but okay. I was, I was so uncertain about this, and I'm actually my argument is a little bit different. I actually think uh, part of what can make this a good item is the offensive use of having basically a 6.5 second stun against a useless support. Like you just you put this on an enemy support and they're shit. Like six and a half seconds, that shatter it, demon is going to be right clicking and nobody cares. Oh, half duration. Half duration. Shit. Yeah, it's like oh, three seconds, uh, right? Even, uh, it's pretty. It's pretty bad. Then it's a lot worse than. If I it was full thought. duration, yeah, then that's. I mean, that, that's, you're right. On a support oh, yeah, here, that'd right. be amazing. Okay, then it's offensively, it's pretty bad. And you're not you're using it on it's, it's yourself. So, it's so awkward. Like, I, I honestly think the best potential of this is if you have another carry in your lineup that you can use it on, and it kind of works as a shallow grave, and they just go crazy and lifesteal. Like, like s troll can be played as a mid hero. And then you have another carry who you use it for, and you make them the god of the fight instead of yourself. Right. So it's kind of like that a is the CK potential Ags, is. right? Uh, like CK Ags, you said? It's it's similar to CK Ags because yeah. 
I could see the logic. Yeah, you make another carry, the true carry of the fight. Um, I mean, the 35 second cooldown on... is insane. You cast it on yourself most of the game, and then when you're maybe not as relevant versus a hero that's already on your team, like a Morphling, for example, casting on yeah. Morphling is in, would be unbelievable, right? Yes and no. It's it's so tricky to use it, right? Because then the yeah, Morphling true. is a hero that generally yeah. is reliant on his mobility in the Forget fight. Forget Morphling. Can't do that. So, X hero. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm thinking. Yeah, but that's the problem. I'm looking through the carries, and I'm like, who do you want to cast this on? And it's just. Imagine Void hitting somebody with this shit. Yeah, I guess you chrono with Void, and then you battle trans him. <laughs> <laughs> sure. But you have to do it after he chronos, or he can't fucking chrono. Like, that's the problem, right? It's so... Yeah. I feel like that's why it gets a 5. It's like, the potential is kind of cool, but it's really hard to use. And but that, well, what CD, about just... The, the CDR let's... is a big deal. The CDR is definitely a big deal. Like, so you don't you think that's big enough to... Like, if the other stuff wasn't um, in it, and it was just 35 seconds, it's a boring one, sure. It doesn't have any weird interactions. But that's I mean, 90 to 35 seconds. Yeah. Know? How many team fights are you going to use this twice in, though? That's the question. It's like, it's this delicate area where if it was 20, it would be really good, right? Because then there's a good chance you can get it off twice in a fight. 35, way less likely, it's still possible. Um, but at the same time, the original cooldown isn't so long that if you use it in a fight, you're really scared for like three minutes because you don't have your black hole, right? It's still yeah. like that 90 second duration. It will be ready anyway before the next fight. So it's just like this is like awkward range where it, it doesn't really it doesn't really get really good. And it wasn't originally really bad to begin with timing with, wise. So I've, I've but it's, it's still the meta is it, very aggressive right now. Right. If yeah. somebody buys back after a fight that you've won with troll. Yeah. Having it up again is pretty huge. But. Obviously yes, that's... and the other side of the coin where troll fights, uses ulti, dies, buys back, and then has it again. I think yeah, that's where that's it's it. really, really sure. good. Is with okay. true two troll ultis because he buys back, but he will have to die realistically to use this twice. I think. Um, yeah. So yeah, five out of ten, mainly for that. Honestly, um, okay. The offensive use you talk me out of that. I I still won't really push it up further because it just it just sounds awkward. <laughs> it just sounds awkward to use in general, except in yourself. So, do you want to buy it for the cooldown then? Yeah. Yeah, I'd do it. I'd I do guess. it. All right. So that is the end of the AGS rankings for this segment. We agreed quite a lot, uh, actually. This was yeah. relatively close. What was the one them. that was way off? There was one that was pretty way off. Well, IO um, wasn't way IO was off. a one and mine was a six. Or no, mine was, was a, a three. Or something. Three. Okay. Uh, and I gave Brood a 10. You gave it a nine, right? Yeah. What was Mars? Mm. You gave Mars an eight? I gave an eight. You gave a six, right? Six. Yeah. Nothing and was like gave crazy a three and you off. gave a six, I think, right? Something like that. Yeah, that was or, probably the biggest discrepancy. Yeah. yeah, I gave him a six. The monkey one and the IO one were the ones we disagreed on the most. Well, okay. We're pretty close overall. Not bad, not bad. Uh, so for people that uh, are looking forward to the the official, <laughs> I was going to say the official AGS ranking. I mean, I guess there's no <laughs> other, so why not? Uh, I'm going to try to get that up by next episode. It's a lot of work, and I'm right now I'm working 12-hour days for doing observing for the WePlay tournament that's going on, so hopefully I can get that done this weekend once that shift is over. Uh, but yeah, that... And of course, I should mention that Cinderin's going to help me with it. He's going to look it over briefly. Yeah, I will I will check through it and make sure you're not very, very dumb. Good. Thank you so if much. If you're only a bit dumb, we'll let it fly. But Sounds very good. dumb, we'll get punished. Yes. All right, so you have a final thing you want to bring up a little oh yeah follow-up yeah, yeah, yeah. story the, just a, uh, episode. Yeah, just a quick one i just i thought you would find this a bit funny so if you remember last episode we were talking about the differences between food and going out to restaurants in denmark and the u.s 
And my girlfriend overheard it. And she told me after that she had a little story. A friend of hers was, this was in Switzerland, but it's beside the point. Okay. They, they went to a restaurant and one of the people they went to the restaurant with was an American who was there and they sit down at the table and they, there's these, they brought these carafes of water, right? That you're supposed to split among the table. And the American person just took it and started drinking out of it because she thought it was her glass. <laughs> so there you go. That's, that's right. That's just case that's in point right there. It. Oh, that's, that's just <laughs> normal glass size, man. This that is what I drink ass. out of, all right? This, what is this, uh, like a thousand milliliter? Or that's one liter. Thank I, you. I don't know. I, I thought that was pretty funny. Like, I could just picture that happening. Like, everyone's like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I if I go there and I get a burger. The rest, the, the rest of the stay or something. Was, I'd eat like, your burger. I think it was mine. Like my place just extended to the other side of the table or something. Where's my food? <laughs> all right. So uh, that'll do it for the longest episode of We Say Things. Easily, yes. Uh, it's very I, long. Two That's hours and 15 minutes. Yeah, we've had a lot to talk about, so we have an excuse. So yeah. thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks to Noble Chairs for being our sponsor. Uh, until next time, have a great one. If you got through this whole episode, be sure to tweet both of us. And what, what's the code word for getting through the whole thing, Sindarin? Um, Think of a word, a special word to you. Please make this episode longer by thinking of a, a word. I'm really thinking right now. I'm making it long. Give me a good word. Lichen. Are you fucking kidding me? All right, that's the word. You Until can next come time. up with one. Do you no, want uh, one? You can make a better... You, you got a better word? Okay, come on. No, okay, it's lichen. I don't Just know why. It's lichen. Thanks, it's guys. It's lichen. Goodbye. Bye.